0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: BamaMag.com of the city area of Scout.com, joined by Thomas Watts, our producer. He is with Touchdown Alabama Magazine, and we'll be joined a little bit later this hour with our third cohort, Rudy Armand of ESPN 97.7 The Zone, who is feverishly working the Huntsville Times Classic Basketball Tournament and seeing some great games and some great players, which he'll fill us uh, in on uh, when he joins us uh, sometime between 8.30 and 9.00 Central, if you're listening live. But I'm going to go ahead and bring Thomas in now, since you get he and I for the first uh, 30 or 40 minutes tonight. Thomas Watts, how are you doing tonight?
0: I'm pretty good, Kerry. Uh, how about yourself? Have a good Christmas?
1: Good Christmas and uh, good bowl season so far, I guess. Uh, I would have gotten a chuckle out of an Auburn loss earlier today, but they turned it on in the second half and won... 31-10 at Historic Legion Field over the uh, hapless Memphis Panthers. And uh, LSU won last night. The SEC is 2-0, 3-0, actually, because Mississippi State won today. So the SEC is 3-0 in bowls and trailing, uh, A&M trailing Louisville up the half, but a and kind of making a rally in that game. So we'll see how that one turns out. But so far, so good for the SEC.
0: Absolutely. And you have to hope that the SEC can rebound from what was, let's just call it a poor showing last year. Uh, I think it would stick in a lot of commentators' craws if the quote-unquote fall of the SEC was vastly exaggerated. And last year, where the SEC did struggle, particularly you know, Alabama and uh, LSU had a rough game against Notre Dame, you know, the marquee SEC programs, it wasn't it wasn't a trend; it was just an anomaly, and that would that 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 would that would make my happy troll heart even happier. <laughs>
1: yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. it would. Uh, I was kind of happy for Les Miles last night, though. He's been to so much fire, and uh, that game at one point was twenty-one to twenty LSU over Texas Tech, and then the Beagle Tigers rattled off a thirty-five to seven run, uh, led in no small part by Leonard Fournette, but also by Brandon Harris. Uh, Brennan Harris made some throws last night, Thomas, that I have not really seen him make.
0: Yeah, and, and they, they were able to take advantage of Texas Tech stacking the box, doing one-on-one coverage. But sometimes you, you still got to put the ball on on target. And Malachi Dupree helped Harris out a couple of times, but that long pass to uh, oh gosh, Trey Quinn was was on was in the bucket. So he if he can do that, it, it was said a lot in the. In the, during the telecast, if LSU can find a decent quarterback, which I'm not sure is possible, but if LSU can find a decent quarterback, this is a championship-level team. Of course, with Kirby Smart going to Auburn, which is its own ball of hilarious, because I still don't think... Kirby Smart, excuse me, Kevin Steele going to Auburn, which I think is its own ball of hilarious, because Kevin Steele is not a good defensive coordinator. is going to have to break in a new guy again. So... A little bit of flux for that team. Be interesting to see how they shape up in 2016.
1: Yeah, I don't know who they'll go after, um, but you mentioned their quarterback situation. It's very interesting. I I don't have the young man's name, but they have a guy that's out this year that transferred from Purdue. And then they have this year's starter, Brandon Harris. Last year's starter, Anthony Jennings. So there are three guys. They're going to throw the job open in the spring, and three guys will be competing for it in Baton Rouge. We'll see. I guess the best man will win. Don't know who the quarterback will be. Don't know right now who the defensive coordinator will be. Now, I'll tell you one thing about LSU. There's not any question about the talent on that team. Uh, they've got some recruits that, that have gotten down to Baton Rouge and become football players. And I mean, they're always going to play you tough. They're going to line up and hit you in the mouth and dare you hit them back. Well, Alabama did hit them back, of course. Alabama basically single-handedly took Leonard Fournette not only out of the Heisman Trophy Conversation, but didn't even get to go to New York based on his paltry showing against the Tide that night in Tuscaloosa. But they got a good win last night, and Auburn got a good win today. And and you know they don't want to be serious. They they've hired Kevin Steele as their new defensive coordinator. So I gotta say, Thomas, the job that Lance Thompson did against Memphis's high-powered offense was to me pretty impressive.
0: That was. To me, so far, I realize the SEC's only competed in three bowl games, and they're competing in a fourth right now. Right. That, from an SEC perspective, is easily the most surprising and, to me, the most impressive thing to come out of these first three, and we'll call it three and a half games. Uh, you know, Lance Thompson is much more a recruiter than a coach. One, of, Some of the things that have been said on this program by some of our previous guests is that when Lance left, we actually picked up a coach but kind of lost a recruiter. So I was very surprised with the job that Lance Thompson was able to do. And does this springboard him into something else? Remains to be seen. I doubt it. But the fact that he was able to do it does bode well for him. And who knows? He he might, he might actually get retained should, uh, should our dear friend Gus Malzahn get booted out. Because you have to feel like The Auburn 2015 season at six and seven or seven and six, excuse me, was an absolute disappointment, and that seat's kind of toasty going into 2016.
1: Yeah, I I don't think Gus will be there in 2017. Uh, His buyout drops considerably in 12 months, and uh, looking at their schedule, it's just brutal. Uh, It's very realistic that they could come out of September one and three. And uh, they're all excited now because they beat Memphis. And, you know, good for them. They're 7-6. That's that's all in football. Um, but at the same time, you know, and Carl Lawson's dad is saying he's not going pro. Well, let's see how that shakes out in a couple of weeks.
0: Uh, I'll believe that when I see it, quite honestly.
1: I, I'm with you. I'm with you. He'd be turning down a lot of money. Uh, of course, he'd probably uh, profit by staying in many ways as well. But uh, regardless. They got a very cascading mixture. But we're yeah. not worry too much about Auburn right now. We'll let Drew and Big C get some shots at them uh later <laughs> on in the show. Uh in fact I've asked Big C to call earlier than normal, uh okay. since you we know, have such a uh, busy second hour. But Thomas, while we've got a moment and we're not too far into the broadcast, so go ahead and run down our guest list for tonight, the band. Absolutely. Uh
0: around eight forty we'll be joined by Hondo Carpenter from SpartanNation.com. dot com. He's a... Uh, He's been on Drew's show, and I've heard him a couple of times. He'll bring some really solid information from the Spartan side of the world. Uh, Later on in the evening, John Garcia at about 9.05 will join us from the Under Armour game. He is there live for Scout.com, and he will have literally the hottest takes possible from that game for Alabama fans and from... Alabama recruits to Alabama fans. So we got a couple of guys coming up. You know, uh, Carrie, you obviously mentioned Big C will be joining us. And as long as it's just you and I, I can keep an eye on the board and open phone lines. So if you're listening live, give us a holler at seven one four five one zero three seven zero seven. We'd love to hear from you. Obviously, there's a small game, little 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 bit of business. You know, I, I put small around it with air quotes down in Arlington that we'll be talking a lot about. So call in and give us your take on that. We'd love to hear from you. But, Carrie, I do want to say before we move off Auburn, their September schedule, you said it was brutal. I did. Clemson at Jordan-Hare, Arkansas State, Texas A&M, LSU, first four weeks of the season. Have fun with that, guys.
1: <laughs> I, I think I think the ceiling there is two and two. I agree. But I think one and three is more realistic, depending upon the quarterback situation at A&M. uh um, the guy that's playing tonight is not really setting the woods on fire, but you can see some potential from Jake, whatever his name is. Ubenak, so got,
0: Ubenak something like that. Yeah, Ubenak, there you go. He's not a bad
1: player. He's just an experience. Uh He's got a whole spring and a whole summer to get ready for all of those. So, uh, but the thing about A&M is they have such a bad defense. I mean, John Chavis needs to spend the entire off season teaching tackling, tackling and more tackling. Open field tackling, one-on-one tackling, 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 tackling. If he does that, then I think that they could beat Auburn. Auburn doesn't know who its quarterback's going to be. They signed a junior college player. They signed a very good high school player. They've played two guys today, uh, but you know they're either going to be two and two or one and three coming out of September. Neither one of which is great. Uh, before we jump headfirst into the two big games tomorrow, uh, let me say this: I was able to attend Alabama's basketball game as a media member last night. And uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide struggled, and actually had to go to overtime to beat a not so good Jacksonville State team. The final was 67 to 59, but Alabama allowed Jacksonville State back in the game in the second half, and, and the game went to overtime. And in that overtime, Alabama outscored the Gamecocks 12 to 4. And this was a home game with you know maybe 8,000 people there. I don't know if announced it was more than that, but they they announced tickets sold. Alabama clamped down and played well when it had to, but it really should have never come to that. Uh, Arthur Edwards, the uh, graduate transfer, led the tie with 16 points. He had five rebounds and three assists. Raleigh Norris, the pride of Albertville, had another double-double, 10 points, 11 boards. He did well. Jimmy Taylor played well, 13 points, six boards, five blocks. And uh, But the game should have never gone that way. And, and Thomas, let me tell you, you talk about home cooking, James Green, the head coach of Jacksonville State, to his credit, did did not complain about this, but Alabama shot 35 more free throws to Jacksonville State, and still had to go to overtime. So anyway, it, it wasn't a great win, but it was a win, and uh, Shannon Hale dressed out, he'd been uh, out of action for a couple of games. He did not play, but I asked Avery Johnson in the postgame press conference about his status, and he said that Shannon will not start, but will play some minutes this coming Saturday at 1 o'clock against Northfield State. So uh, we're we're actually efforting and uh, bringing Drew on a little earlier than we thought, which is great. He's working on some audio stuff right now, but we expect Drew DeArmond to be with us just in the next couple of minutes, looking very forward to hearing what he has to say about high school basketball, he has watched a plethora of high school ball games this week at the Huntsville Times Classic and World Cup. But anyway, Alabama is now uh eight and three and should beat Norfolk State Saturday and go nine and three and Then they get the honor of uh opening up the new gymnasium in Oxford, Mississippi, the renovated tad pad, and then they come home to play Kentucky. so they we talked about all them September schedule next year in football. Alabama's January schedule in basketball is a killer. Just those first games. Now, Ole Miss is a beatable team, but there's going to be so much emotion with the opening of that new Coliseum, uh, the renovated Tad Pad. not even renovated. They built it from the ground up. It's a a brand new Coliseum. Uh, They retired the old Tad Pad with a game similar to what Alabama went through this past night. Uh, They lost a, a couple of nights ago in overtime Well, last Tuesday night they lost, they they won in overtime over Troy. Troy's not very good, much like Jackson State. So, basically, Ole Miss is not a great team. They're a beatable team. But you got to say this for Avery Johnson. He has brought the enthusiasm back to Alabama basketball. We'll talk more about that later when we get Jerome. He makes it fun to cover the team. He answers every question. He looks you in the eye. He doesn't dodge things. Um, I love the guy. I'm actually going to see him speak it up. Tip-Off Club event uh, Monday of next week, and I'm already looking forward to it. I just love the guy. And uh, they're 8-3, should be 9-3 and three when conference play begins. Uh, it's been fun to watch them so far. Uh, they've got a pretty good RPI, and we'll get back into that later. And I was wondering, uh, do we have Drew yet? Uh, he said he's ready to roll.
0: And before I bring him on, I do want to say, Carrie, you also are going to have Ryan Fowler
1: right. from
0: Dallas at 930. So that's something that's more right. for our listeners to look forward to.
1: Yes, and Ryan Fowler brings a unique perspective because he is a journalist, but he's also a Bama man, and he's not ashamed of it. And uh he, he's he got a very unique niche in the Alabama media situation. he does got a show in Tuscaloosa that's on four hours a day, and uh Ryan is very outspoken about his Christian faith. He's very outspoken about his love for the Crimson Tide. Uh, just a great guy, and, and really... I think we've only had him on here once, maybe twice, but he should become at least a monthly regular on-bounds because he really brings it every time. And I'm very excited about the fact that since three of us didn't get to go, that we are going to be hearing from a friend who is boots on the ground in Dallas. So thank you for bringing that in. And uh, I did want to see if we had Drew ready to go.
0: Yeah, I think he's ready. Drew, you you got us?
2: Yeah, what's up, fellas? Hey, uh, just, Drew. Just in from uh, Huntsville High Gym. 59-48, Johnson Jaguar win in the Huntsville Times Classic Final. Uh, they shut the gym down at five oh eight fifty two 52 minutes before tip-off. We had over 3,000 people packed in like sardines, uh, including Antoine Petway and Scott Pospickle, uh from the University of Alabama, of course, heavily involved with John Petty. I think Alabama, if I had to, uh, uh, from what I'm talking to people Close to the situation, especially last night, and watching the interaction with Antoine Petway and the entire uh, Johnson coaching staff and John Petty with the Alabama coaching staff, let's just say Alabama's in really good shape right now. And that's all I'll say about it.
1: How did John do today uh, stat-wise, group?
2: He didn't play very well. He didn't have his jumper today. Uh, he played really two solid games up until this point uh, yesterday and then was pretty good uh, in the first game. He was off, but uh, he ended up with about 10 points in the game tonight, uh, including three highlight reel dunks, including one that was a one-handed alley-oop that brought the house down. But he did not uh, have his A game. Uh, He did, however, I think, play poised basketball down the stretch. He's uh, basically, uh, for all the listeners, and I know – the best way to equate it with John is to bring up someone in the very near past that spent half of his career at Alabama, and really two thirds of his career, because he only played one year at NC State. But Trevor Lacey, what, what John Petty is, is he's not as polished as Trevor. Trevor was an operator, and by the time he was a senior, was a great shooter and scorer. John is not a, a, a super consistent scorer yet. He doesn't attack the rim as much as he needs to. But he has more upside. He has NBA-level suddenness, leaping ability, and athleticism. What he is, he's he's just a shade under. He's not as strong right now as a Josh Langford, who was the best player in the tournament and averaged uh, right around 30 points per game in four games for Madison Academy, who finished fourth in the event, uh, including a high of 36. And Josh has really improved his jump shot. Uh, but Josh, it can get his neck above the rim. John has the length and the leaping ability. Not quite as explosive as Josh Langford, but close. Uh, but I'll say this. He has a ton of upside, and he's someone that can be very important to Alabama basketball. And he will only get better under the tutelage of Jack Doss. It was interesting to watch their team. The best player on the floor tonight uh, was Justin Hopkins. Who ended up with over 20 points for the Johnson Jags and was a bull in, inside. They just could not, the, the Lee Generals could not handle him. He's headed to Sanford. And uh, somewhat a good friend of mine who spoke to Scott Pospickle. Scott Pospickle believes Alabama should have recruited Justin Hopkins, but their staff was not in place uh, in enough time. Uh, Justin was already committed to Sanford University and basically ready to sign by the time they got involved. But after they've watched Hopkins, Uh, for the for the most of this summer and now into the high school season they believe he was under recruited and he's a he's kind of a tweener but he's a he's he's another really good basketball player and the Johnson Jags now uh, 14 and 3 overall Uh, they did lose the finals to the Steel City shootout to the Homewood Patriots and Tim Shepler who have a very good basketball team but Jack Dawson's teams usually hit their stride around late December early January and after the, uh, they used the springboard of the Towns Classic Championship last year, they lost one game. The remainder of the season and basically almost ran the table uh, to Jack Doss's uh, eighth title. And uh, this Johnson team is going to be hard to deal with.
1: Drew, I understand that you also had the opportunity to see some really good, uh, other than John Petty, some other really good underclassmen players.
2: Yeah, you know, they, they, they was, they, you know there was you know there's a lot of really good talent uh, in the event. Uh, one that really stands out. Just remember the name. Kyra Lewis Uh, he's a freshman point guard he's six foot two almost six foot three long and athletic from Hazel Green Alabama had 21 points uh, this afternoon to beat Madison Academy and Josh Langard 49-43 in the uh, third place game of this tournament Uh, he's a guy he's uh, Todd Jeffers who I know pretty well the head basketball coach at Hazel Green thinks he can be the best player in the history of that program Uh, he's started every game this year Really been their, their leading scorer. I saw him at Thanksgiving, and now he's gotten better since uh, that time. And he got off to a little bit of a slow start when they lost a close game to Johnson last night. But he really came of age in the second half. He was timid at first, but he got his footing and still ended up with about fifteen points. And if he stays put, you know, and he's not moved around, uh, you know, you hope he stays in in this North Alabama basketball community. And if uh, if he continues to work, Coach Jeffers is a good coach. He, he developed Lewis Sullivan, who's now at UAB. Of course, Frankie Sullivan's y- younger brother, who played at Auburn from R.C. Hatch. But I really believe uh, that Kyra Lewis is someone that you need to kind of keep your eyes on uh, as far as uh, maybe for Alabama in the next uh, three years. He's a he's a he's a guy. I really the more I see of him, the more I like him. And he just needs to get stronger. But he's a very very. Uh, he, I guess cerebral kind of basketball player has a really good feel for the game, and he's just someone to kind of watch out for.
1: Well, we've got our first caller of the evening on the Asian Rim Hotline. Before I bring him on, though, I wanted to share with our listeners an email that I got from the good folks over at Asian Rim, uh, which is, uh, you know, as so it's, it's good as it's good a staff as you'll ever find. If you have still not made your New Year's Eve plans, be resolute in your decision by making your reservations at Asian Rim. You get great food in a warm environment paired perfectly with a glass of wine or champagne. Sounds like a great way to bring in the new year. Of course, you've got to watch Alabama, too. But you can call and get reservations for dinner at Asian Rim tomorrow night still. The number is 205-490-1444. Paige and Roy Hockman are your hosts, but they have a great staff there that will assist you in getting those reservations. Again, that phone number, if you're in the Birmingham area, they're located in the Colonnade Shopping Plaza. It's 205-490-1444. And, hey, uh, here's something that we'll share with you just here on BAM's Radio. Uh, does a martini tasting party sound like something you want to attend? Uh, it's invitation only, but uh, if you go to Asian Rim, ask your server how you can get on the list to attend. Again, call for New Year's Reservations. That number is 205-490-1444. And uh, we're going to go ahead and take our first caller on the Asian Rim hotline here on BAM's Radio. He normally calls in hour number two, but I moved him up because we've got such a heavy second hour tonight, Drew and Thomas. Uh, Colin Big C McGuire from Greenville, Alabama. What's going on, big man?
3: Well, I'm calling you from out of state. I'm visiting Miss Kathy. You know who I'm talking about. Um, oh, but, you uh, yeah, you have. Down there at the beach three years ago. The SEC Legends thing, you and Patty. But, and uh. Bill
1: Sollins and Vince Dooley and. And and Les Miles
3: and all kind of people. We had a big time. Yep. Yep. But uh, are y'all out in Texas or y'all back in Birmingham? Huntsville,
1: Birmingham, Mobile.
3: None of us got to go. No. Okay. Well. Anyway. Well. um, I feel like Alabama's gonna win tomorrow night, and I'm gonna pick twenty-one to ten. I just think it's gonna be. They're pretty good on defense, and I think finally will be able to uh, – Henry will finally bust out probably later on in the game, but I think that's what's going to happen tomorrow night. What do y'all say? I'm going to go 24-13. to I think it will
1: be a closer game than people think, but I think the best team will win, and I think the best team is Alabama.
2: I'm going to go with 24-17, Big C. Um, I think Alabama's the better team. I think the spread's a little high. I – I do have great respect for Michigan State, though uh, they're talking a little bit too much. Uh, I'm a little bit surprised yeah. by that uh, because of the way D'Antonio coaches. Uh, their guys have said some things about Derrick Henry, and then they came out and said, you know, they have our best offensive line in the country. They think they can handle Alabama's front, yada, 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 you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I, I think they're a very good football team, though, and I have great respect for them. I think they're extremely well coached. I think they're they're a little weaker in the secondary, though. I know they're healthier now than they've been, but I think I still think that they can be had there. Um, I think their front is maybe deeper than Florida's, but not as athletic. And I think Alabama can wear them down. I think Derrick Henry will earn every yard, but I think he'll get 120, 130-plus. Uh, we're going to have Hondo Carpenter on at 840 to kind of give us an update. Uh, he's been on my radio program on Talking Ball, but he'll be on. First time on Babs, he'll really bring it. He thinks Michigan State's really going to win the game. Uh, he's from SpartanNation.com. He's very high on this team. He thinks the winner of this game is going to win the national championship. I happen to agree with him. I just don't agree with the outcome. I think Alabama is going to win this game. I know uh, his, his his take on things. You'll you'll hear it. But again, I, I think he you know he believes Michigan State. This is what they've been waiting on. You know for basically since 2010, and really uh, since they been uh in their minds backed out of their two-year contract to play Alabama uh, to play Michigan State in a home at home, but. Again, to be honest, it really doesn't matter. I mean, Alabama's been there and done that. They know teams have been out for them. Alabama plays the Super Bowl every week, especially in the SEC. So, this team, though, in my opinion, they have their minds right. Uh, They've had good preparation, except for Tony Brown, who's a knucklehead. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, And Tony may be finished at Alabama, and it's his own fault. But, you know, but again, I just think. Overall, this team's on a mission. They're the only team to return to the playoff, and you can't take anything for granted. And you have to play four full quarters, and you have to finish the game. If you get up 21 to nothing, you can't assume the game is over. You're, these are the four best teams in the country, and uh, I think it, the, the best way for me to equate it, big scene. I've done it on several shows. Uh, Creed is a movie out right now that's getting a lot of pub, placed in the Rocky series. Well, this is what this is. This is this is Apollo Creed and Rocky. And Michigan State's yeah. rocky. They're, they're going to keep coming, uh, but they're not as athletic or as good a fighter as Apollo Creed. And remember what happened in the first Rocky. Apollo Creed won that fight. He knocked Rocky out. Uh, he, won the, he won the battle. And, uh, and I think that's what's going to happen this time, except there's not going to be a sequel. We're not going to give Michigan State a rematch this year. Uh, it may come down the line. But, again, this is a one-shot deal, and I think it's a situation where Alabama knows what's at stake. Uh, and I think as long as Jake Coker – Continues to play well, and I'm really excited about Jake. I'm really excited about the game he had against Florida. It's tough to take three weeks off, uh, but I think the team's going to be as healthy as they've been in a while. And Again, uh, I know there was some consternation I've been in Miami when Ryan Anderson and uh, Dylan Lee got sent home. It didn't affect the team, and I think getting rid of Tony Brown's not going to affect the team either. They're going to they're gonna be ready to roll, and I think they're going to win this game. <laughs> I forgot about
3: them being sent home since you bring that up. Yeah,
2: two, three years. Can you elaborate on that a little bit,
3: Bruce? Uh, you,
2: you Brown? yeah. Uh, from what I understand, it was a curfew violation. There may be another uh, line of evidence at practice as well. That is not confirmed. The uh, I'm almost positive about the curfew violation, but again, the the, uh, the the practice situation, not yet. But of course, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. I mean, the kid basically has not bought in in two years completely. Uh, he's a he's a knucklehead. He's let his mouth overload his rear a lot. He has any talent. Uh, He's talent. He's, he, he just had a 10-cent brain out of it. Uh, it's his own fault. He's a great special teams player for Alabama the year. He's played his role, but he still has issues well-documented this season, basically in practice that Nick Saban told Tony, either do what you tell you to do in our way or out of here. And so, basically, Tony did his own thing again. I know he's back in his homestead of Texas, probably doing some stupid things he shouldn't be doing. And I so know he's probably on a bus back to Tuscaloosa, or maybe maybe he took a call back home. I don't know. I've already been asked if going to be available for the national championship game. First of all, you need to wear out the cotton ball. My decision would be would not be. I mean, but Alabama's talented enough to overcome this. Uh, just, well, the way I equated it of course it's not you know what happened in this situation. But uh, you look at it and remember what he's made just Kevin coming out pretty it sells his opportunity to play. But uh, Maurice Smith now will get reps. He's back in his home state. Maybe he will play well. Because Tony was starting to get some reps with the defense, but still Ronnie Harrison. Uh, hopefully, he, uh, he's had uh, an, an excellent whole preparation. So, right now, I mean, it's not a ideal situation to get someone at home, but, again, I don't think it, it it's a reflection on the rest of the football team. I think it's one of these things where this guy's been a problem for a while and you just have to kind of get rid of these two. Yeah, I got you. I see. Well, um, so
3: everybody
2: else,
3: i big. from Shaft, I'm trying
1: again. And he, Richard Rowley called the original
3: staff, and he wants to die from the back. I'll say that again. I'm getting sort of cutting out. What did you say?
1: Never mind. Go ahead with your next
3: question. Uh, just trying to think. Um, let's see. Uh, what kind of secondary did you say that Michigan State supposedly has?
2: I was. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I thought you were. Uh, you were going to ask Kerry a question. I, their their secondary is ranked 74th in the country against the pass. Now they did have a young man that's been out since week one, and Hondo will talk about him. Uh, that's come back. That they, they had a third round grade before the season. Uh, one of their safeties is back, uh, so they think they're going to be better against the pass. But at the same time, if you watch Michigan State, they've been a little susceptible uh, to the passing game. Now, granted. Jake Coker is not, you know, Fran Tarkenton by any stretch of the imagination or an All-American. But I do think when you look at the Big Ten overall, this Alabama wide receiver core is going to be better than any they've seen as far as a depth situation. You know what you're mm-hmm. going to get out of Richard Mullaney. Uh, he's going to be very solid. He's going to catch football. He's going to block. He's going to do his job. I think Calvin Ridley is the best freshman wide receiver in the country. Uh, he has a chance to have a, an outstanding game, make some big plays. And then Darius Stewart, the wild card. You know, he, he came on the second half of the year. The Tennessee drive was his shining moment of the season. He made a great play against Florida, going up and getting the ball. He has NFL ability, uh, but he also has the ability to make you want to drink alcohol. Uh, if he if he gets kind of into a slump or he drops the ball early, if he can get off to a nice start, because he, he's shown the propensity to block. He'll do all the things you want him to do. He just sometimes, uh, early in the year, he would run a route, read, bust a route, or he would drop an easy, you know, catchable football. Uh, but our Darius Stewart, there's no questioning his ability. And uh, I think O.J. Howard, his BIA, he should have an opportunity in this game. Is he going to finally step up? I've been, in the last couple of days, I've been getting a lot of people on Twitter asking me, is he going to go pro? I don't know what these people are wondering about. Uh, I don't know why an NFL team would draft him in the first three or four rounds. I don't care what 40 he runs. I don't care how high he jumps. Watch the tape, but he still has a chance to redeem himself. But I really think the overall X factor in the game, Big C, and it's something I'm going to ask Hondo Carpenter to see what he says. But he didn't, he didn't mention him on my show, and really nobody's mentioned him. But I think the guy that can have a big outcome on the uh, on this game, Derrick Henry's going to get 30 touches. But the one that could get 10 plus touches and have some game changing plays is, of course, the senior from Atlanta, Mr. Kenyon Drake. And that's just my oh, yeah. opinion. I think he's somebody that could be, you know, singled up on some people. That could maybe blow the doors off uh, on some big plays. Mm-hmm.
3: Yep, oh, that's a good point there. I never thought about that, but you're right on that. And it's amazing that he's been able to come back from that broken arm like he has.
2: Certainly is, and. He, you know, I he was I was able to report an hour before the SEC championship game that he had not worn the brace and he was going to play. Now, he played even more than I thought, but now that he's had three more weeks to kind of get ready, and then he admitted during bowl preparation uh, that he had a broken rib against Ole Miss, and he's had an ankle, and he's had the broken arm. So he should be as healthy as he's been in a while, Big C, and he's someone uh, that, ha- that can make a lot of money in the next couple of games if he can help Alabama win a national championship and make – you know, make some game-changing plays because he has things, his speed and athleticism you can't coach. And right now he's a he's a guy guy's going to go to the Senior Bowl. He's a draftable guy, but probably uh, a, a, a mid, you know, maybe a late second day or a third-day draft pick, he can move up in a lot of people's eyes if he uh, finishes his career. You know, and has the kind of poties in his talent lives because he hasn't had the kind of year people, a lot of people thought because he's been kind of banged up. Yeah, yeah. Well,
3: I'll be watching the game tomorrow. I don't know what else to ask y'all, but except uh, Happy New Year and Roll Tide Roll to y'all.
2: Yes, sir. Always. All right. Big C. Thank you. Thank you
1: See y'all. All right. That was Colin Big C. McGuire, normally residing in Greenville, but out there in the great state of Texas, visiting his girlfriend, Kathy. Always good to hear from Big C. Moved him up tonight. Because we have such a busy second hour, we're going to have at least 25 minutes from John Garcia, and hopefully 20 to 25 minutes from Ryan Fowler. So 9 to 10 on this show tonight, if you're listening live, is going to be epic for the capital, E-P-I-C. And uh, one of the things that I really want to talk to Ryan about is just, you know, what kind of read he's got on the team. He's been in Dallas now for a couple of days, and uh, I got to hear some of Ryan's show yesterday when I was driving down to the basketball game, Drew, and He had uh, excellent interviews on there with Blake Barnett and and Marlon Humphrey. And we'll get Mm -hmm. him to recap those. And uh, actually, you you talked earlier about Ardarius Stewart. I I heard an interview on Jocks in Birmingham that uh, was done with Ardarius Stewart. And he was talking about how cool it was for him to be a blocker. Uh, Downfield for the Heisman Trophy winner Derrick Henry. So he uh, likes
2: to block, buddy. I'm telling you, he, that's never been an issue with our Darius Stewart. He is not AJ Green.
1: Right, right. And you know something else. While we wait on Hondo, who's going to join us in five or six minutes, uh, you know, it seems to me, Drew, based on some some rumors that are coming out, that the NFL raping and pillaging of the junior class on Alabama might not be what we thought. Maybe only two or three guys or, or less than three guys go, and it, it sounds like the Alabama team may be a little more intact next year than we had first thought.
2: Yeah, I, I really believe it'll only be at most two right as of right now. Now, things can change, and, you know, the playoffs you have, you know, a monster game or two. Uh, you know, things could, things could, you know, that could be altered somewhat, but Tim Williams coming out and saying on the record what he said, and kind of piggybacking off what Nick Saban said the Wednesday before they left Tuscaloosa. He sounds like he is going to return. I'm hearing John Allen will return because he's considered a tweener, first round pick, a guy that could go late first, early second. He's not a slam dunk. So, and he's uh, comes from a middle class family. He wants to finish his degree. So that would be big for Alabama. The, the wild card in the whole situation. We know, and, and first of all. I was I received a text today from someone that read on a, on the on a, the Scout dot com bail mag board that someone had posted that Derrick Henry was coming back to school. Let me just tell everybody that's listening to this. There's about as much chance of me going to Bruce Pearl's uh, you know, ber- uh, birthday party than uh than Derrick Henry coming back to Alabama for his senior season unless he got hurt in the postseason. Okay? It's not happening. He's done his job. He may end up being a late first-round pick, but regardless, he'll probably be a second-round pick like T.J. Yeldon. He's going to be fine. He's taken 339 carries. It's going to be closer to 400. If Alabama wins the national championship, he is, uh, you know, he and uh, so he is. He has paid his dues, won the highs, but there's not really any more Derrick Henry can do. So Derrick Henry is not going to stay in school. Uh, but the one that's, again, the wild card is Sean Robinson. I mean, I still think more than likely he'll probably go, but he did not ask to be evaluated. Uh, He is a first-rounder by most. Some have him in the second round. Mel Kuyper has him graded as second-rounder. He's another academically-oriented kid. But if Alabama plays well in the postseason, my suspicions are that Ashawn will leave, but you never know. And so uh, I just think he's the one to watch, which could swing it. I think, you know, my suspicions are he would be the second one and then really, I I don't see OJ Howard even considering it, um, and, and so I just really, I, and and when you when you stop and think about it, Dalvin Tomlinson, I don't he, he's been a very good football player, but I don't think he's ready to go yet. So I right right now, I would say Alabama would have two guys. I'll stick with the two that I've always said even though I don't think A'shawn's a slam dunk, but I still think it's Derrick Henry and A'shawn Robinson. No, I think everyone else is going to stay in school. And if that happens, that would be very big for Alabama because, you know, you'd have two guys and Tim Williams, and your two best pass rushers, Tim Williams and John Allen, coming back next year uh, for, uh, defensively for Alabama.
1: Yeah, and when you think of guys that we had penciled in as starters next year, and, and uh, Deshaun Hand and, and Dalvin Thomas, and all of a sudden they get to be backups again, but still – part of the heavy playing rotation along with the two you just mentioned, that is uh wow. And and Tim Williams to his credit, you know, he knows that he can become a more complete football player and learn specifically pass coverage. He's a he's great at rushing the passer. He probably can get a little bit better against the run. Uh and if he can show the world, and by the world I mean the NFL scouts, that he's a that he's a forward a three down, four down guy Instead of just a third down guy, his stock will go up obviously, and uh, I think that the Alabama coaching staff has done a pretty good job of selling that to Tim
2: Williams Group. Yeah, they have, and I think uh, Nick Saban has shown him the blueprint of Reggie Ragland. And, uh, you know what he, how much money he made himself. He was a guy last year that some had in the lower first round, but most had in the second, maybe the third round, and he's come back and in my opinion, been as good as any middle linebacker in college football, and. Uh, very excited, you know, and how happy for the how Reggie's finished his career. I think he's a slam dunk first round pick now. And Tim Williams, if he can prove whether he goes to the Sam linebacker next year, or, you know, if he if he uh, or if Ryan Anderson shifts over there and he becomes the full time starting Jack, whichever, if he can play three downs, there is no questioning Tim Williams' talent. And if he stays out of trouble, he has this year. If he puts two good years of tape together and becomes more than a situational player he has the ability to be a slam dunk first-round draft pick uh, next year, no question about it.
1: Well, we've got our second guest of the evening ready to go on the Asian Rim hotline for BAMS Radio. And, Drew, I'll go ahead and let you introduce this guest.
2: Absolutely. It's going to be my honor for the BAMS Radio crowd. And I'm assuming that uh, he's live in Dallas, Texas, because I know uh, he's, to me, you know, I want to credit uh, Maxwell Bresky. Who's been on this show uh, from Buck Around? He he gave me this gentleman's name. He said you've got to get a hold of this guy. He is a legend when it comes to the Michigan State Spartans, and he uh, and uh, he and he certainly is because when he called me a couple of weeks ago on my show, we did 25 quick minutes. It seemed like five, and he was just coming from Tom Izzo's office, and he's as connected to this Spartan program as anyone, and that is. The one and only from SpartanNation.com and, of course, Spartan Nation TV, Spartan Nation, uh, you know, they, they, their website. I mean, they, they've got uh, any other, so his uh, Twitter feed is outstanding. I mean, they have the entirety. They cover basketball as well as football. Uh, they're basically the Bama Magazine, BamaMag.com of, of, uh, for Michigan State Athletics, and that is Hondo Carpenter. Hondo, how are you doing tonight, my friend?
4: Well, first of all, let me say thank you for that introduction. I'm doing well. It's an honor to be on with you guys. You do such a great job, as well as the fact I genuinely love the state of Alabama and the people of Alabama. So it's an honor to share my evening with you. Thanks for taking and inviting me, brother. God bless you.
2: Yeah, absolutely, my friend. Of course, you also have the radio program. Uh, you it just you have the whole gamut when it comes to Michigan State. And I know you're very excited about this matchup. I know the Michigan State football program and football family and the fan base is stoked for this it's what they as you said on my show two weeks ago it's basically what they've been waiting on and i know uh just kind of talk about where you see this program and uh now that you've been down there and gotten that kind of the feel for how they've traveled to dallas what, what, what where are they mentally and uh, i'm sure they're ready for uh, for this uh this uh, challenge it just is this is the biggest game in uh recent michigan state football history
4: You know, first, if you don't mind, Drew, I've been saying this on national show to needle people, but the folks in Alabama will appreciate this because we all share the same common values. But D'Antonio is very outspoken about his Christian faith. It's important to him. He gives it the credit for everything. It's not like coaches who have recruiting faith where they get in the house and if they see a Bible, they mention the Lord. I mean, he tells, I'm very open about my faith. I don't hide it. I'm not embarrassed about it. I don't expect you to follow it if you choose not to but I'm not going to change who I am. And after the Big Ten Championship game, when he stood on that platform and they handed him that trophy, they asked him, what do you credit the Spartans with? And he said, I believe we have God's favor. And he was not saying that he believed God picks the winners and losers, but what he really believes is if you do things the right way and honor the Lord in everything that you do, that when you've prepared yourself, when you've done everything you can diligently, you certainly can expect that there's going to be favor on your life. And so this week, as it's been funny to watch the national media who come from the Bias Coast who look over places like Alabama and Michigan in the heartland of America. Uh, when they ask him the same question, he said the same thing. He goes, I'm not trying to be offensive, but you ask me a question. I'm going to tell you the truth. He goes, I, I believe in the favor of the Lord. And that's the thing about this program that a lot of people miss. Mark D'Antonio has said to me on multiple occasions, this is much bigger than football. And I believe God gave me this platform to do more than just win football games. And the moment that I quit honoring him first, I believe God will quit honoring us. And 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 so when you ask about the state of the program, they expected to be here. They wanted to be here. They had three NFL first-rounders from last year that decided to come back to pursue a championship, and Shalit Calhoun, the defensive end, Connor Cook, the quarterback, and Jack Conklin, the left tackle. And that was been their goal all year. You know, one of the things that I would think Alabama fans would really respect, and I, it's one of the things I respect about Alabama, is that at Alabama, if you don't win a championship, it's a disappointment. They're open about it. They talk about it. They don't hide from it. How many coaches do you see run from it? And Michigan State said this year, think about this one. In the last two years, they're the only program in the country that finished in the top five and won the BCS-level you know, new year's six day game, the big bowl games. And so Mark D'Antonio said it this week publicly with what he said on my show at the end of last year, last year was a disappointment. It left a bad taste in our mouth. I know there are a lot of schools. Think about Auburn who would love to be, you know, finish a year with two losses and consider it a success, but that isn't the case anymore here. And D'Antonio really addressed it. So they expected to be here and they wanted to play the best. And I've gotten a lot of tweets from Alabama fans That have taken this as negative, and I think you're looking for something to get mad about. They wanted Alabama because they wanted to play the best. And they believe, like Tom Izzo does, you have to play the best. And so I think some Alabama fans have taken some of my comments out of context. They wanted Alabama not because they think you guys are idiots or you suck or you're terrible or you're hillbillies, any of the crap that I know people throw at Alabama. They respect you guys. They respect your program. They respect your people. You share our values. You guys are Alabama people are really uh, you know cut off the old slice of what Michigan people are and there's a bunch of respect. So when they wanted that, that's because they they knew they were playing Alabama at the end of the year. They were playing in the college football playoff, and I I think that's the unique part of this team right now.
2: Well, yeah. no, no, I got to tell you before Kerry has a question for you. I, the, what I what I've said repeatedly, and I've had a lot of people on the shows I've been on and on my show. Uh, you know, asking me why, because I've been you know outspoken that I think it's going to be a four quarter game I mean, that Alabama. Well, I, I favor Alabama, but I, it's going to go down to you know the later latter stages of the fourth quarter. I have had a lot of people tell me, well, why, wow, you usually uh, are one sided when it comes to Alabama winning games. Well, it's the great respect I have for the Spartan program. Uh, I really respect Mark D'Antonio, The highest compliment of respect that I can give him. I don't think. It will probably happen because of what he's built at Michigan State and the culture that he's built there. I think there's a good chance he will retire at Michigan State. But I would hope that Alabama's leaders uh, in four to five years, whenever that may be, if Nick Saban you know, stepped aside, would consider Mark D'Antonio for the Alabama job because I love the way he coaches. I love what he's about. I love the kind of person he is, and I love watching their team play. Their team plays the game the right way. Uh, it's probably the most respect in all honesty that I've had for a for an opponent uh, going into a championship game for Alabama though I did have great respect for LSU uh, because they had already beaten Alabama but I just felt like Alabama kind of gave that game away uh, and and it was I already had that uh, so a uh, big-time familiarity and in all honesty uh, us SEC people we uh, we of course we, we really don't like one another in the SEC <laughs> we don't root for one another and in a lot of ways we just want to beat the other guy Michigan State I've always admired them from afar, and I look forward to this contest. I have great respect for the Spartan program and what they've built, and uh, I just think on both sides of the ball and in special teams, they're very, very good. They're very, very well coached, and I've enjoyed watching uh, Michigan State and what D'Antonio has built. They continue to get better every year, and really I'm, I'm not surprised they're here either. I, I guess when they had the unfortunate uh, break of uh, Connor Cook getting injured and they didn't weren't able to bring him to Uh, You know, uh, Columbus, Ohio, I thought that might be it for them. But as they've shown, and that's why I know this game is going to be Apollo and Rocky. That's the way my equation to it is because they find a way to win regardless. Uh, It's always the next man up. And I just really uh, admire this team. And I guess my question to you before Kerry Clark comes on is, is, first of all, how healthy is Connor Cook as far as with the shoulder?
4: Well, Kirk Cook says he's 100%, and I'm certainly not calling him a liar, but I've talked to multiple NFL and college doctors, and they obviously have not taken care of him. But they've talked about in dealing with guys, and they have not actually come out and said what his injury is, but they've said the fact that he played would lead them to believe either a, a, a sprained or strained labrum or rotator cuff. Um they don't believe, none of not one of them believes he could be 100% right now but based on upon the severity all believe he could be 90 to 95% which is healthy enough for him to beat Alabama. If Michigan State were to do it, um he's healthy enough there. Let me just say this because I really believe this Drew. I was on a national show um after Michigan State lost to Nebraska and the person said, "You know, what's the mood after they got, you know, cheated in Nebraska?" And a lot of people saw um, Michigan State, you know, and Nebraska had a guy go out of bounds and it should have been called. But I stopped him and I said, first of all, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but you don't know this program. They didn't get cheated at Nebraska. They lost. And every team, every time Michigan State wins big games, everybody has an excuse why that Michigan State beat them. And I, that drives me crazy. Izzo always says, when somebody beats us in basketball, they beat us doesn't matter. There's a bunch of bad calls by refs in every game. The, the scoreboard is what the scoreboard was. And I made a comment then. I said, I believe Michigan State's going to run the table and go to the college football playoff because of this loss. And the guy laughed at me, literally laughed at me on air. And when I saw him in the media room today, I walked up and go, you still laughing? And he just shook his head and walked away. And the reason is <laughs> exactly. that you may remember the lead. I'm sorry, sir?
2: No, I said exactly. I said, well put. <laughs> and and uh, you may
4: remember the legendary Michigan State coach Judd Heathcote won a national title with Urban oh, yeah. Magic Johnson. Um, Judd Heathcote once said on my television show, "The greatest thing that happened with Michigan State winning the national title when Urban was there was that they went to Northwestern, which is a you know it's 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 it's, it's a good Big Ten school. It's not great. It's not an elite, but it's a good one. But back then, they didn't belong in the Big Ten. They didn't even belong in the MAC." And he said, and they beat us somehow. And he said, in the locker room after the game, it just galvanized the team. And Irvin just refused from that point to lose. They were so good that they realized, though, we couldn't coast. And that loss to Nebraska galvanized this team. When Connor Cook went out at Ohio State, they had no doubts they were going to win the game. I mean, it was crazy. Let me take you back to Michigan, because there's something here that a lot of people don't know. Michigan State, when they pull up to the big house in in Ann Arbor to play Michigan this year, D'Antonio said to the team, I want you to sit here for 10 seconds because big games are usually won within a 10-second period, and I want you to visualize that you're on the field. What are you going to do to win? He goes, because we're going to go in here and win. And they sat there, and you may remember – As the cameras scanned the sidelines at Michigan State, and they were talking about how Michigan State's win streak over Michigan was over, how great Harbaugh was, you could see the Spartan team dancing and pointing up in the sky. And people were like, what is wrong with them? Are they they having a nervous breakdown? And all the players were pointing at the scoreboard because it said 10 seconds. And they were laughing, and they're like, okay, here we go. Coach is right. Let's figure out how we're going to win. And that's exactly what happened. Same thing happened, and I, I don't know if we're up against the break. Do I have time for one other quick story, Drew? Yes, you do. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, you're
1: good. you're good. You're good. No, year, not, You're fine. Okay.
4: Last year during the Baylor game, Michigan State noticed on film that Baylor, at some point in games, would get a big enough lead where they would just become it was celebratory. They almost forgot the game on the field. And they would stop scoring because they figured the other team was going to roll over. And Michigan State taught, showed that to their players. We will play them for 60 minutes. They won't play us. And so there was a time when they had a 400-pound offensive lineman literally catch a pass and run it in for a touchdown. I don't know if you remember that or not. And they scanned Alabama. I mean, the the Baylor sideline, and everyone's going crazy. And then the announcers literally talked about the Spartan sideline. They were clapping, they were shouting, and pointing up to Jerry's big screen. The reason being is they're telling each other, look at, look at, look at how they're celebrating. They just quit. Now go beat them. And that's exactly what they've done. And I think that's the Spartan approach. One of the things that I love about Alabama, and, and, and you mentioned earlier, Butch Jones is one of my best friends, the head coach, University of Tennessee is that the, the the Alabama Crimson Tide play you for 60 minutes. If you beat them, you beat them. There's no excuses, doesn't matter who's injured, they're loaded at every position. If somebody goes down, it's next man up. And if you beat you have to beat Alabama. And I think that's the same way and I love that rhyme from Rocky. In fact, I applaud you for using it in, in your introduction that where Rocky said he may beat me, but he's going to have to kill me. And this is exactly what I think both Fan bases can expect for tomorrow night Is that if Alabama beats Michigan State There's going to be bodies left on the field And if Michigan State beats them There's going to be bodies on the field This is what football's about This is a Christmas gift from God to America
3: <laughs>
1: Okay Well this is Kerry Clark I'm Drew's partner I'm with BamaMag.com The scout affiliate uh, And we want to thank you so much Hondo for joining us While I was driving back From the SEC championship game uh, With my Carl of fellow reporters. Uh, we were not able to get the Michigan State-Iowa game on our phones, so we had Clemson watching it. But on the radio, we had Michigan State and Iowa. And we were listening, Hondo, to something that very few of us had ever seen. And I was talking specifically about 22 plays, 84 yards, 9 minutes of smash-mouth football to beat Iowa and propel Michigan State and the playoffs ending with a play where when I finally got home and watched the replay, L.J. Scott is hitting the backfield, squirms loose, stretches the ball, and legitimately scores the winning touchdown that puts the Spartans in the playoff. That is a hell of an accomplishment when you're down in a conference championship game like that to pull off that kind of drive. I'll say it again, 22 plays, 84 yards, nine minutes, and, and wins the game and goes to the playoff. Now, you were able to experience that in person Tell us what that was like watching that unfold and at what point in the drive you had the feeling in your gut that uh, the Spartans have got this.
4: Well, I'm going to tell you this, and I'll be very blunt. You can go back and check my Twitter feed if you don't believe me. I don't mind accountability. I put before the drive the Spartans were going to win on Twitter. I told Spartan fans to relax, and I was standing on the sideline. In fact, when L.J. Scott scored that touchdown, he w- I was literally on the goal line straight in front of him. And the thing that happened was this. It was another D'Antonio moment. He brought his team together. And Iowa is a very good football team, very, very good football team. But they had not been on that stage yet. It was their first time in that stage. And D'Antonio talked about, we've been here. We know what it takes to win. Now go eat the clock and win this game. Enough. And they were all laughing. Okay, coach, here we go. And they just they totally 100% buy into him. And when LJ and they just methodically marched down the field, you may remember there was a fourth down and literally in the huddle there was no stress. It was just let's go do this. You know Mark D'Antonio is a lot like Saban in that he stresses to his team, be prepared, do the extra work, do the extra lifts, do watch the extra film when your coaches in, aren't there, because it's the team that's most prepared that wins. And he's anal about it. He pushes them on it. Um, and that is one of the things that's a big deal. You know, one, one of the things he does, other than Sunday mornings, they're not allowed in the building. Employees of the program, coaches, players, nothing. They're not allowed in the building until after 1230 on Sunday mornings because he tells them, I want you to be you know that you can go to church. It doesn't it football's not first. But other than that, he says, you can come in any other time you want. Be prepared. And that Michigan State team is. And it's funny because I have all the respect in the world for Alabama. And it was funny listening to their reaction to that drive. They certainly had a lot of respect for it, too. And, and, but but standing there and listening to him saying, now go eat the clock, let's finish this game, and go to the college football playoff. And that's exactly how it played out.
2: And, Hondo, I know this is going to be – this is the reason that I believe the game is going to be uh, a four-quarter fight and why, you know, I know you said on my show that you believe this is for the national championship and the winner of this game will win it all and – Obviously, uh, I think both teams will be as healthy as they've been in a while. I know Cameron Robinson was banged up even after the SEC championship game. very banged up, had to be helped to the locker room. He should be as healthy as he's been in a while. But I know Michigan State, along the offensive line and in the secondary now, is going to be stronger than they have been. Just kind of update the listeners on the health of the Spartans. And we've already gone over Connor Cook.
4: Yeah, you know, I'll tell you this much. This is the healthiest that they've been all year. There was at one point where when they went to Nebraska, they started three true freshmen in their defensive backfield. Uh, Most of those guys, maybe all of them, won't even play tomorrow night. That's how, uh, you know, sick they were. They got back RJ Williamson, who's been out all year. is an NFL safety, probably projected as a second- or third-round guy who's back, who's not only 100%, but he's in shape. So he's going to play significant minutes, and that's a guy that Alabama doesn't have film you know, from this year of significant film at all. And so I, I was on a national show that says, you know, Michigan State's in the 70s in pass defense. And, you know, Coker's going to eat him alive. And, and I, I just said respectfully, I, I don't mean to be rude, but just like, you know, Kerry's embedded with Alabama, I'm embedded with Michigan State. Stats are for losers. Because if you look at stats, you you know you don't understand that it's only the last four games that Michigan State was even remotely healthy, and now they're a hundred percent. So I, I think I think the, you know the, the stats can tell you a lot, but sometimes they can lie to you. And they're this is the healthiest the Michigan State team has been all season. So going back to the very first game till now, this is the healthiest they've been. In fact, I asked Kirby Smart earlier this week about that. I said, how difficult is it to game plan? when they have not been this healthy all year. So there's some guys you don't have film on, and how do you do it? And and he said, he goes, I I think that's a good question because we haven't, you know, you're right. There are guys that are going to be back that haven't played with other guys, and so we're trying to kind of, you know, we're having to estimate. And I think that's another thing that's a little bit under um, sold in Michigan State in this game.
3: One more question for
1: me, Hondo, and uh, this one surrounds – arguably the most infamous play in college football this year, and I'm talking specifically about the end of the Michigan-Michigan State game. Uh, the Spartans yes, Basically, we're done. Uh, we Alabama folks know this because we went through something uh, in Auburn two years ago on a return field goal that was along the same lines. Uh, I'm not going to challenge your Twitter feed or anything like that, but tell me what was going through your mind as that play unfolded. I
4: thought the game was over. I didn't think they were going to win. You know, my Twitter feed I mentioned was for the Iowa game, not the Michigan game. I had already started writing the article. I thought the MSU play calling in that game, offensive play calling, was horrible. And they were way too conservative. And I think they gave Michigan. I think had they play called the way they did uh, against uh, Maryland, Penn State, or Iowa, I think Michigan State goes out of Ann Arbor a double-digit winner. So uh, that was my whole article. I'd already started my article. Spartan coaches cost Michigan State a chance at college football playoff. So I didn't think they were going to win. I'll be very blunt and honest on that one. And and um, But certainly the Spartans did. And, and you guys know this. I don't care if you're Alabama, Dallas Cowboys, Michigan State, or the New England Patriots. To win a championship, you're going to have to face adversity. You're going to have injuries. You're going to have coaches that don't necessarily have a great game because they're human like everybody else. But you find ways to win. Good teams. Let's go back to Tennessee. Seventy-five percent, nearly seventy-five percent of that team is freshman and sophomore. And I thought my buddy Butch Jones had a great game plan when he went into Tuscaloosa. Now Butch needed help. It isn't like Alabama played their best game of the year, but I do think you can discredit Tennessee by you know just saying that and not saying you know they played one of their best games. But in the end, Alabama knew how to win, and the Tennessee team doesn't. They're young. They're just going to have to continue to improve. And to me, that's what championship teams do. They find a way to win. You turn it on in the fourth quarter because you expect them to win because they find that extra niche. And I think it's preparation. I think it's knowing one little thing. Here's one play that we're going to keep in our back pocket because of their tendencies that hopefully we don't have to lose. But if they're in an emergency situation, and I think that's what Michigan State's proven to be, and that's, quite frankly, what a coach coached Alabama team is.
2: And my final thing, Hano, I wanted you to go on the record. And there's no one I respect more than you because you bring the knowledge, you bring the insight into this Spartan program. Uh, obviously, uh, we, we like Alabama in this game. I feel like you like Michigan State. Just kind of give your take on how you see the game unfolding.
4: You know, first of all, I appreciate that. And just so you know, Spartan fans hated me when I predicted Ohio State to beat them going into Columbus a few weeks ago. I really do pride myself on trying to be as as, as fair as I can because at the end of the day, Carrot, you know this. When you're embedded with a team, if you're if all you do is serve ice cream, people don't respect you as a journalist. And I know Bama Mag is certainly re- well respected. So, but I would say this to you: I think Michigan State wins it. And I'm going to give you three reasons why. Um. When you go back to the 2011 Capital One Bowl when Michigan State, that was, in my opinion, Nick Saban's best team he's ever coached. I'm not stupid. I don't think that, they're, that they could have win, went and won half of the NFL teams, but I think there were lower-tier NFL teams that group would have beaten. They had been injured that year. Everyone came back healthy and felt like they had something to prove. They didn't dominate Michigan State. They destroyed them. It was men among boys, and Alabama deserves all the credit in the world. That was the greatest, in my opinion, college football team I had ever seen in my life that day. I don't think this Alabama team, if they played them 10 times, could beat that team that played on that Capital One Bowl for Alabama one time. I just think that Alabama team was phenomenal. I think this Alabama team is really good, really good. I just don't think it's at the level of that 21 Capital One Bowl team. The reason I say that is this. This Michigan State team doesn't even compare to 2011. It's not even close. That 2011 Capital One Bowl team wouldn't beat this Michigan State team if they played ten times. This team is deep. They go eight deep across the defensive line, six deep at linebacker. They have 11 defensive backs who have experience and play at a high level. Uh, you go over to the offensive side, they've got 11 legitimate, def- I mean offensive linemen. They've got four NFL running backs, two legitimate uh, uh, fullbacks. They've got three NFL tight ends. And, and they've got three NFL-wide receivers. I think that this is going to be the most stacked depth team that Alabama has faced. Now, let me make this point real clear. I think Alabama has even more depth than Michigan State. So I'm not saying I think you know Michigan State's the be-all, end-all, and I have no respect for Alabama. <clears throat> I just know to, to win a championship game, it comes down to depth, and I think both of the team have it, so I think it nullifies it. But one thing that sticks out for me, I've watched every game of Alabama this year, some of them one time, some of them like the Tennessee game 22 times. And the thing that sticks out for me, and you guys would have more commentary on this than me, but as I watch those games, there wasn't one time other than Ole Miss that I watched a team that stepped on the field with Alabama that wanted them. I think Ole Miss did, and I credit Ole Miss. But I know this, I know watching that game with Tennessee, and Butch is one of my best friends, I, I turned to my son in the fourth quarter and said, watch this, Alabama's going to win it, you can see it. They expect to win, and Tennessee's hoping to hold on. And Michigan's been in the big games, they want to prove a point, and so I don't think Alabama has that intimidation factor that plays so heavily for them, and let me add, they deserve it. I'm not saying that they're, it's fake, because it's not. They deserve it. But here's what sticks out to me. Alabama has not faced a quarterback like Connor Cook. Dak Prescott's good, but one that has a defense like Michigan State. Uh, Florida has a good defense, but they don't have an offense and a quarterback like Michigan State does. This is the most balanced team, including Ole Miss, that, that Alabama's had to face. And I like that game plan. With Derrick Henry is the best running back in my opinion in college or pro football. He's a stud. And I think watching that Ole Miss game, I think there were some things. I think Michigan State's better than Ole Miss on defense. And I think Michigan State took some things from there and even made some more tweaks that Alabama hasn't seen. So I think their goal is we need to put Coker in a position where he has to throw, not when Saban Green likes it, but when Saban says, well, then fine, throw, because they have to. It, Coker is great with his legs. I think he's underrated. I think he's underrated because Henry's so good. But where he struggles is making bang-bang decisions. On the other side of the ball, Connor cooks at his best when he's making bang-bang decisions. In fact, you can argue some of his biggest mistakes are when he has time. And I think we all would agree he's not going to have a ton of time against Alabama. I think Michigan State's offensive line is you're not going to stop the Alabama defensive line, just like you're not going to stop the Michigan State. I think that's going to be a battle. I think they'll be able to run enough once they pass, to set up the run. I think the key of the game is pass to run. I don't think either team has to pass more than they run, but if, if if but I don't think either team can win just running. And because I think pass is so important in this game, I'm giving the edge to Connor Cook and Michigan State. I think this is like a 21-20 game. I would not be shocked if Alabama won this. I, I'm not in any way – this is not a sign of disrespect. It's just I think the edge goes to Michigan State because I think at some point you got to put the ball in the air – And I think, not that they're bad, but if there is an Achilles heel of Alabama, it's going to be the defensive backs against Connor Cook and the Michigan State wideouts and tight ends.
2: Well, Hondo, man, great stuff as always. Uh, Thank you for giving us this time on the eve of this game, uh, in this late hour. Uh, It's been an honor to have you on the program. Uh, There's no one I respect more than the media. I have only known you a short time, but I am glad that I have – uh, begin to build this relationship. And I want to thank you for, first of all, joining my show on 977 The Zone and now here on BAMS Radio. We hope to have you on again uh, on both programs because I respect the Michigan State program. We'll be following it very closely. And uh, we just really appreciate your time and enjoy Dallas and uh, enjoy this football game. And I know as a purist, I know you really will. And it's just been uh, great to have you on. Great stuff, my friend. Thank you.
4: Well, thank you. And, again, to both of you, you know, you guys both do tremendous work. The Alabama fans are really blessed to have you guys and the information that you bring is top-notch. And win or lose, I think it is the national championship game. So let me just say, if Michigan State loses, roll tied,
1: go get a national title.
2: Yes, sir. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Hondo. Thank you, Hondo. Have a great rest of your night, my friend. Great
1: stuff, Drew. I feel like we just talked to the Cecil Herd of Michigan State. We just um, did,
2: basically.
1: <laughs> and we, we, we do have our, our next guest on hold, but before that, we've got a man that's been holding about 20 minutes, so I want to give him a little bit of time. Let's go ahead and bring on Bring the Pain. Welcome to the uh, Asian Rim Hotline Band Radio.
5: What's going on, guys? How are you all doing tonight? Good, Bring the Pain. How you doing, brother? Uh am being Berger. Berger. I just wanted to call give y'all a shout out uh for the game and my surgery i gotta have on the fourth so i wanted to call last week but didn't get a chance to well but we I didn't have a show to- buddy
2: so we, you didn't miss anything and we're just glad that uh you're back with us uh and we, we god be with you on your surgery my friend uh, I appreciate Actually, we, that. We did have a show. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the week before. My my uh, my fault. But you still. Uh, I'm sure you got a chance to listen. It's been. Uh, I've been doing so much basketball. My brain scrambled. But we do still pray for you. Bring the pain, and we know you're going to be okay.
5: I appreciate that, guys. Uh, just been watching some of these football games, and uh, I was hearing a guy talk, and he 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 made some good points. And just to give my opinion on the two games tomorrow, people think I'm crazy, even the ones in my family, but I think Clemson is going to just dump a mud hole in Oklahoma.
1: I hope you're right.
5: But that's just me. That's my opinion. And uh, uh, the Alabama-Michigan State game, yeah, it's going to be a – a good game. I think it's going to be a close game. I agree with your last caller. But I believe Alabama's going to win and this is my three reasons why. Connor Cook hasn't faced a defense like Alabama has, but like Alabama's got. Our secondary has gotten good. Our front seven can get to the quarterback. Uh, Our offense has gotten better. If there's nothing there, Coker can run the ball. He needs to get rid of it more whenever he's under pressure and there's nothing there. Uh, And I just believe our special teams is going to open the game wide open.
1: What kind of score you got?
5: Uh twenty
1: seven twenty. That'll work. Well we appreciate you calling. We've got another guest on hold, gotta let you go, but thank you so much, Bring the Pain, and we'll be praying for you regarding that surgery on the fourth. That's Bring the Pain, our good friend from North Alabama, up there, uh only a few counties over from Drew. But Happy without, New Year, Bring ado, the
3: Pain.
1: Happy New Year and Roll tide Without further ado, we want to go ahead and bring on our next guest on the Asian Rim Hotline, my cohort at Bamamag dot com and Scout dot com. Our boots on the ground. At the Under Armour game. Now, you don't get this on every BAMA podcast, but you get it on BAM's Radio. Uh, and of course, uh, you get it on John's podcast. But let's go ahead and bring in John Garcia from scout.com. John, I know you're very busy. Thank you so much for joining us tonight on BAM's Radio.
2: Back home, John oh, Garcia. Oh, oh, yeah, always
6: a pleasure. Always a pleasure, fellas. I actually just got down to Florida today. So excited to sort of finish the week here. Uh, Going to probably spend most of tomorrow obviously watching regular football, but certainly uh, <laughs> we'll be in town for the game itself Saturday. Um, you know, I've been I just been on this sort of uh, – not a mission, but just I really wanted to see uh, B.J. Emmons play his final high school game, you know, in his hometown, and then the Shrine Bowl game, and now the Under Armour game. As he goes up in competition, does his play tail off? It hasn't just yet, and I'm hoping um, that we look – you know, really smart for bumping him up way early when we did on Scott.com as a top five running back in the country and a top 40 overall prospect in the country. So far, uh, you know, we feel pretty good about that, uh, that early bump we came
1: Well, John, let me ask you about Inman's. Uh I have people that come up to me all the time or text me or email me. There, there, there's still some concern from the Alabama fan base about whether or not the young man's going to be eligible. I know he was waiting on a test score Is
6: there anything new in that arena? It it should be any day now. I know the holidays can sometimes prolong that sort of process, and obviously B.J. is not back home, you know, in Morganton, North Carolina right now. So I I think that could be part of of the delay. But I think once he gets back, you know, the game is on Saturday. I would say by, by Monday, once he's fully back home and everything, we should really get a much clearer picture. But from what we're hearing on the Alabama perspective, There's an increased sense of optimism around him, and it's obviously well needed here for Alabama. There's been, I don't want to say a scramble, but there's certainly been a lot of movement behind him on the running back board, new offers going out, Um, guys coming off the board like Kareem Walker, Miles Sanders seems really solid to Penn State from You know, our scout folks talking to him this week at Under Armour. So, you know, bringing in another back is going to be tough. Devin White, of course, still out there. Amir Rasool, the Florida State commitment, and a couple of other guys. But, you know, square one is is locking in Emmons academically because, you know, when it comes to personally, he's all Alabama. So, I think – um, there's an increased sense of optimism because he's putting the work off the field. Um, but of course, you know, until you, you know, for real, there's going to be that, that sort of worry and, and rightfully so. And for the first time in a while, you know, we've said this all along, you know, Bama really needs a top flight running back in this class. And I, I believe regardless of who they add at this point, that BJ Emmons will be that guy. Well,
2: and John, uh, great to be back on with you, man. Uh uh, and I I was. I know you're going to do a great job covering the Under Armour game. You mentioned his name briefly, and I've started to study him a little bit in the last several days because of the offer and because of the way the board is evolving. But talk, tell the listeners a little bit about Rasul. I know he's committed to Florida State. I know they're trying to bring him in on a visit. His name seems to be getting hot a little bit. What kind of player is he, and what kind of chance do you see with Alabama trying to flip him?
6: Yeah, you know, he's a track guy, you know, so you automatically think of of the Kenyon Drake type of running back in in this sort of lineage of of Alabama backs. Everyone wants to put these guys in categories. So, so Emmons would be more in the, you know, TJ Yeldon, maybe Trent Richardson type category, and and Rasul would certainly be more in the Kenyon Drake category. The guy is a track star turned running back, so obviously he's raw and a lot of the uh, instincts and a lot of the technical issues uh, at running back. But, again, still extremely um, coveted, obviously. He's a four-star guy on scout.com. And, and again, straight line speed is is a big, big check mark. Now, the interesting angle for Alabama is that, you know, he's a quiet kid. So, you know, we don't get a lot from his perspective, but the tangibles that we know – surrounding his recruitment, well, one, Florida State's been in on him for a while, and that's really been it. So, Bama's really the only competition right now for the Seminoles, which is good, especially with, you know, we know Dalvin Cook is coming back next season because he's only a sophomore. So, that's good news for Alabama, as, as we all expect Derrick Henry to jump into the NFL after either, you know, tomorrow's game or, or two games from now. So, That's another advantage for Alabama. The the second one, which is probably the biggest one, is is he's a Miami kid. He actually goes to Columbus High School, which is Mario Cristobal's alma mater. Cristobal, obviously, is still on Alabama staff, so you put two and two together there, and that's that's a home run pairing for Alabama. So he's a guy that, you know, even without, you know, having spoken to him at length and without having intimate knowledge of, of today's mindset with him, I would say Bama is going to make a run for him just because of those tangible facts. Bama needs running backs. They need a a versatile guy, a speed guy, if you will. Uh, Mario Cristobal is on the case. He's a Miami kid. You know, Bama's recruited that area so, so well of late. Uh, He's just a name that I think, you know, people need to be talking about almost as much as Devin White, who has been sort of a, a top target for for two and a half years, I think Rasul is creeping up the board into that territory where he is a guy that that really needs to be considered. And if he locks in an official visit late in the process, as, as I would predict he will, I think uh, you really need to you know you have your ears perked up because he's a guy that while he might not say much, uh, a lot a lot of things can really be developing with uh, under the tables.
1: John, one of the things that the Alabama Nation really enjoys about these All-Star games, specifically under Armour and Army, is the announcements during the game. Uh, where the hatcher on the table and the game's going on in the background with the kid and his family. Starting with this week's game in Orlando and then moving on to the Army game in San Antonio, uh, what specific announcements, if any, should Alabama fans pay very close attention to? Well, at Under Armour,
6: it's sort of a developing list. You know, um, there were three guys, three or four guys scheduled to announce who, while traveling to the game, pretty much told the Under Armour folks, hey, I'm not ready to announce. So they've been in sort of their own scramble mode trying to, you know, fill the slots because, as you said, it's, it's such a uh, such an expected part of the game itself. So that could actually benefit Alabama, um, especially a wide receiver. Drake Davis and, and Kevin Ridley, those guys, are most likely going to announce at some point this week. So we would expect them on Saturday at the game to announce. It could come sooner either way. Good news for Alabama, and and this is really opposite ends of the spectrum, with Ridley, obviously the younger brother of of Calvin Ridley, a guy who many have pegged to Alabama for, what, two years now. South Carolina has made a push, um, but he's done with official visits. The biggest news coming out of Under Armour is that he is actually caught up in the classroom not only to the point where he's going to qualify, but he can graduate this month. So now all of a sudden he can't take any additional visits, which only increases the probability of him picking Alabama because of that comfort, because of his brother, because of how much he has been on campus and how familiar he is with uh, the school itself having been there so many times and, of course, the crystal ball factor that we just detailed a second ago. So if he does end up announcing Saturday, I think that would be massive news for Alabama, which, of course, feels confident about adding him as a legacy prospect. And then Drake Davis, as I said, the other end of the spectrum, a guy who at IMG Academy, you know, where Bo Scarborough spent his senior year, you know, we heard about him, we tracked him this season sort of on the back burner, but it was never like, okay, pay attention to this guy. Well, now all of a sudden, you know, there's Three schools in the mix, Um, LSU, you know, he's a a Louisiana native, so that makes sense, Ole Miss, which makes sense because his quarterback at IMG is Shea Patterson, and he said Alabama is the third school. So what's interesting with him is whether or not he will go ahead and make that commitment because he's talked about taking an official visit to Alabama regardless of where he makes a commitment on Saturday. So I think that's an interesting uh, and sort of new development, uh, at least for me in tracking – this receiver board, which I know you guys, Drew and Kerry can attest, has been the craziest position to sort of try to lock down for Alabama because, like, ten receivers have said, you know, at one point or another Alabama was their leader. So, you know, if, if Davis commits to school X on Saturday and still pencils in an Alabama official visit after that point, you have to um, really pay attention to it because he's a guy that uh, is a big-time playmaker, six foot four, two 215 pounds or so. He's got that huge body that – that Bama covets and that Bama really doesn't have right now in this group of wide receivers. It's very clear that they're targeting that big-bodied guy, Kevin Ridley, 6'2 plus. Keith Gavin, another Under Armour All-American, is is in that size range. Now Drake Davis as well. You know, they don't have that guy committed right now. So that big-bodied receiver is going to be big for Alabama late in this recruiting cycle. And Davis is a name to keep a close eye on. You know, Bama uh, has has – been humbled by him this year, meaning he has risen on the board just as much as any wide receiver has. So that's that's a new development and maybe the, the biggest surprise in, in Alabama prospect development uh, from Under Armour Week so far.
2: And, John, I wanted to ask you, too, uh, because I know that he was dominant at the Alabama-Mississippi game, and I was talking to his high school basketball coach. I just watched their team play, but Deontay, of course, wasn't with the team because – he has been in Florida, but I know you have been outspoken in your evaluation of Deontay that he could become the top guard in America. He did go on the record, uh, you know, with with his high school basketball coach, and he did say he respected Quinn Williams, he respected Marlon Davidson, he respected everybody on the Mississippi squad. But and we all know there's some good defensive linemen in that game, but he didn't feel like any that he had trouble handling anyone, and that's a uh, and that's really what uh, Scout.com and I know what you thought you saw at the practices. Talk about now him being on the biggest stage because really this has been a whirlwind for Deontay. You know, six seven yeah. months ago he wasn't that well known, and he's kind of exploded. And now I know you believe if he if he has the kind of weekend game he, he that his talent belies, he could be the top guard in the country.
6: Yeah, you know, and and we knew he would be good at Alabama Mississippi week because he's just so big and so strong at the point of attack, but. You know, we expected that at guard for him to go out and flex to left tackle and handle guys like Davidson and Quinn Williams consistently. I mean, that's insane to think about for a three hundred and you know sixty seventy pound kid who, let's be honest, you know he's 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 a little out of shape at this point in terms of SEC level football. He's not there yet, and he'll be the first one to tell you that. So for him to still be able to show good enough feet. Um, good enough um, anticipation uh, and discipline, in his his kick step technique to slow those guys down and, in pass rushing drills, which let's be honest, are designed for those edge prospects. I mean, that's insane to think about, and he did it more so than not. We put up video on it, you know, on 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 Battle Mag all week on how he, you know, especially against Davidson, you know, who's arguably you know, the best defensive end or pure defensive end prospect in the country. So, I mean, this is a remarkable story, and he has continued that from what I can gather at Under Armour. Now he is back inside at guard, which is his natural home, and he's gone against the best. Even Rashawn Gary has had a hard time with Deontay Brown, and he is now finally, the other guy's caught up. He's the consensus number one player in the country, which, you know, we've thought for two years over on scout, you know he is he is the best defensive prospect to come along in a while, and he is even struggling getting by Deontay Brown at the point of attack. There's nobody better in the country. So again, his issue is always going to be his body. If he shores that up, you know it's scary to think of what he could be and how early he might even see the field at Alabama. And and you don't say this a lot on the offensive line, but it may be regardless of who is occupying one of the two guard spots here in the next year or two. I think he's that good. He's obviously that big. And, again, at the point of attack, there's there's just nobody I've seen who can consistently move him. So, obviously, if you're talking about an offensive guard and a power offense like Alabama, that's sort of a dream come true. So, I'm happy for Deontay. Like you said, he's blown up over the last six, seven months or so, Um, but he's really taken it in stride. and, And, surprisingly, he's really buckled down with Alabama. You know, he's from Ohio, Grew up an Ohio State fan. You wondered if other schools pushed it, how important that stuff would be. But he stayed, you know, true all the way through the process, not going to take any other visits as well. And I think that stuff is is um, important to note in addition to his great um, on-field potential and, and the ongoing evaluation around him. Really looking forward to seeing him on Saturday, particularly, you know, with Chris Owens, you know, the, the guy who's rated higher than him right now, along the offensive line on that Alabama commit list. We wonder if, if those guys may flip-flop before all is said and done. We're both certainly elite guys, but but Brown has, has looked the part and played the part more from what I can tell this week down in Orlando.
1: We're talking here on BAM's Radio with John Garcia of scout.com and bamamag.com. and John, since the last time we spoke with you on this show, there have been a number of new names emerged on the 16-class list as possibilities to actually sign with Alabama. And I'm talking four- and five-star type guys that maybe 30 days ago weren't really being discussed. Tell the BAMS listeners about some of those new names on the on the tie board.
4: Yeah,
6: absolutely. You know, we mentioned Drake Davis at, at wide receiver. Uh, that's an interesting one. I think Isaac Nott is worth mentioning here as well. You know, he's going to announce – at the Army game to sort of finally answer your question a little while ago, he's going to announce uh, January ninth, and we'll be in, we'll be in for the entire Army week. So very much looking forward to to covering Nada and the crew. But you know he's down to three schools with Bama still in the mix. Don't really feel great about Alabama's chances, but certainly you know number one tight end in the country having your team as a finalist you know that's a big deal for the Crimson Tide. And I think. Um, You know, guys like Nicole Hardman, a five-star athlete, number one athlete in the country, these are the guys, like you said, that have sort of popped up and, and really taken notice of Alabama. You know, Nicole was trending towards liking Alabama more and more, you know, late in the regular season anyway, and then his favorite coach, Jeremy Pruitt, ended up getting rehired at Alabama. So that only helped the scenario, and then it also helped the scenario with, long-time guys who maybe Bama fans had forgot about who were one-time commitments, like a Shaheen Carter, four-star corner out of Louisiana. Remember, Bama does not have a cornerback committed right now in the class of 2016. The same can be said for Demetrius Robertson, another athlete out of Georgia, a guy that, again, because of so many receiver names, Bama fans may have forgotten about. So, you know, in the last month or two, he is another one. That is, you know, back in the news talking about visiting Alabama, having Bama high on his list. So uh, Bama's going to make noise in Georgia, as it always does, uh, and it's going to be probably at that wide receiver position, uh, if any. So old names reemerging, new names emerging altogether. It's it's sort of the beauty of the process. This time of year, it always gets crazy. But maybe the one to keep the closest eye on, Kerry, is Landon Dickerson. He's another guy at Under Armour. He's a guy I've seen, uh, I saw play twice in the regular season. He was also at the Shrine Bowl blocking for BJ Emmett. This is a nasty offensive lineman. This kid, he wants to get in your face, bury you, sit on you, tell you how he buried you, rub some dirt in it. You know, he's that type of guy, which I'm sure most Alabama fans would appreciate on the offensive line. You know, big country boy uh, from outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. But with Landon, you know, you look at him and you think he's this type of lineman, but when you watch him, he's one of the most athletic players on the football field, on any football field, including this Under Armour athletic, um, Under Armour All-American field, which is saying a lot because of the talent level of guys at that game he's that type of athlete he's he's excelled as a defensive tackle in front of us uh but certainly offensive line is his his future and that's where Alabama wants him and we so we where we understand there's an additional push for him from the Alabama perspective there was sort of a thought and I you know I have family in that in his area in North Carolina there was a thought he loves engineering he loves academics so much so we thought you know, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech. Those schools are just going to be so far and away high on his list. But as he's gotten better, he's really shifted his focus to the SEC. So the only official visit he has scheduled, to our understanding, right now is to Alabama, I believe January 22nd. So that's going to be a huge trip. It'll be his first ever uh, time in Tuscaloosa. As Bama pushes with the engineering focus and and the, the crystal ball offensive line focus, to complete this this great offensive line, uh, I think Dickerson could be um, maybe the newest name that has the most impact in terms of maybe being an Alabama commitment before all is said and done. So, like you said, everything is fluid. We we thought this guy was a defensive tackle, maybe a guard three months ago, and now you know he may be a left tackle. So that's that's really the beauty of evaluation and these kids getting opportunities to perform against bigger and better competition. And, ironically, the state of North Carolina is providing two very potential big ones for Alabama in Emmons and now Landon Dickerson.
2: And, John, with the addition of Jeremy Pruitt now as defensive coordinator, uh, I know Nigel Knight will be at the end of the game. What is your take on on how Alabama's defensive backboard could change and or uh how, how, what, who could end up in, in the class. I know it's, it's still a month ago and they're going to be locked and loaded coming out in January or mid-January, but just your thoughts on how it could change or do you th- see it ch- staying in the same direction?
6: Yeah, you know, Shane Carter was a guy Alabama wanted to always have committed even after he decommitted, but that looked like sort of a long shot, you know, three, four weeks ago. But getting Pruitt back in the fold helps Alabama here. Some people thought Georgia was his – You know, unnamed leader before that point because of Jeremy Pruitt. So that obviously helps Alabama. He's extremely familiar with the program. Still has you know glowing remarks about uh, the program every time he is asked about Alabama. So that's that's a huge one there. Alabama needs at least a one corner in this class. Safety is the bigger focus, and that makes sense with some really great young corners on the roster. Um, But you still have to bring one in. So Carter's. Still, you know, neck and neck right there with Nigel Nod as, as the most likely guy. We, we've talked about not a lot. You know, he's he's another Under Armour guy. He's another one looking to take late official visits. But he took a ton of trips to Tuscaloosa unofficially here this fall. He just didn't talk about them a whole lot. So don't think just because, you know, there weren't a lot of reports about Nigel Nod in Tuscaloosa and loving it and talking to the fans and all that, like you see with some other guys, don't think that means he, he wasn't really interested in, in spending his own money towards getting to Tuscaloosa, which he did uh, at least three, four, five times this fall, so almost every single home game. I think that says a lot about his interest in the Tide. He has said Alabama is recruiting him just as hard as the in-state schools, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State. So I think not, between Nott and Carter, I would be surprised to some degree if Bama didn't end up with one of them, you know, before all is said and done at corner safeties. Still pretty wide open, you know. Pruitt helps with Nigel Warrior, another Georgia guy who recently got his fifth star on Scout. dot com, and, and you, you guys know how high I've been on him for for some time now. I think deservedly so. The most cerebral and complete safety uh, here in this class of twenty sixteen, another Georgia kid. So Pruitt again helps, and he was another one that was high on Bama before that point. So um, the trade off of Smart and Pruitt, you know, really not hurting Alabama with Warrior. So he's a guy that, that's going to be in the mix down the stretch up. And then after that, it's it's sort of tricky. You have Sean Darius Jennings committed and rolling early um, as a safety. You know, he's injured rehabbing there. Um, and then Josh Perry's sort of the wild card, you know, longtime commitment, buddy of Shaheen Carter. Most thought he would be departed from that commitment list by this point, yours truly included. So He's going to be as big a storyline with the defensive backfield as anybody. Um, does he stay committed? Does he take other visits? Ole Miss comes to mind. Who you know? And Ole Miss is who I still think is, is the leader for Shaheen Carter. So you put two and two together with Josh Perry. I think Ole Miss could be where they both end up ultimately uh, in the end. So that's going to be another one to keep an eye on. And then we also shouldn't ignore current commitment Trevon Diggs. You know, he's a guy who has had his own drama with recruiting. A lot of people thought once um Alabama lost uh, recruiting assistant Oz, Azir, um who's from the DC area back to Maryland, people thought okay, maybe you know Diggs would sort of follow suit and, and end up at Maryland like most people thought he would. Anyway, well that hasn't been the case. He's been very public about Bama since that point. So that's one, you know, stone unturned. Now on the position front, you know, if you're bringing in all these receivers, so we talked about at the top of the show, you know, maybe Diggs is the guy who moves over to corner. You know, Drew, I know we've talked about it. Well, Me and you sort of both like him better as a cornerback prospect, especially with all these receivers on the board. So I think he's one that should be brought up consistently when you're talking about Alabama's defensive backfield before it's all said and done. It's not going to be a sexy group. There's not going to be your Marlon Humphreys, your Tony Browns, your Minka Fitzpatrick. That guy's not going to be in this group based on the rankings. But you need to fill a corner. You need to fill – Multiple safeties, and if you can pull a an Nigel Warrior or, or lock in and hold on to a Trevon Diggs, who could end up being an NFL corner before all is said and done, I think people will eventually look back on it as, as a really good secondary
2: class. And John, I wanted to ask about one more position, and because it seems to me everyone knows Alabama wants Ben and Lindell, and I think they'll both end up at Alabama on the, in the end. But I think they like to add a third linebacker. Uh, any, you know, I, you know, there's been some, uh, the Lang, I'm probably butchering the name, but the Julia Langwins, uh, the kid is committed to George. I know Pruitt would like him to visit Alabama. Obviously they'd like to have Dontavious Jackson. Just you, do you, do you foresee Alabama adding a third linebacker?
1: I
6: do. I do. I, I couldn't tag down who right now. You know, you, you mentioned a couple of interesting guys. And Jackson has talked about being a package deal with, with the Shark, Jeff McCullough, who's a, a Jack-type prospect, also from the state of Texas, also an Under Armour All-American, who also now has an official visit scheduled to Alabama. I may I be wrong on this, but I think they may be taking an official visit on the same weekend in January. So if you're talking about a package deal, getting them in together is huge. There's Mike Juarez out in California, a five-star guy. All the Cali guys look like they're going to be visiting on the same weekend again. And I try to caution Bama fans with Cali guys normally because of sort of what we went through with um, tracking Juju Smith and Damian Maman, Vianney Talamayivo. Those guys were all very close and probably going to end up at USC no matter what. But what I tell Bama fans about this group, which includes five-star receiver Tyler Vaughn, who's actually a USC commitment Devin Asiasi and now Mike Juarez, these guys aren't all in the same group and and all together all the time and very close and all sort of going to USC no matter what. It doesn't mean they won't all end up there, but it's not the same package deal, a true package deal type scenario like those other guys were. So don't ignore the Cali guys when they visit later in the process as well. So between Juarez, Jackson, McCullough, Um, If Jaleel can get on Kansas, obviously that would be huge for Alabama. And then it recently offered uh, DeJon Harris, an Arkansas commitment out of Louisiana who is a player. Watch that guy's film. He's a three-star, but, you know, that that might be changing here in the next month or so. The kid is is a big, thick inside linebacker who Alabama um, likes on both sides of the ball. He's a Devin White type that can also play running back. So that's a really interesting visit. He's really just down to Bama and Arkansas. So the linebacker's going to have a little more drama than we thought. Of course you mentioned the two guys in state. Bama would surely love to have each, and I think Bama still leads for each, you know, when when it comes down to it. It might not be public, but when it comes down to it with those guys, I think Bama's still very much in the driver's seat. So the names could be jumbled around a little bit, but I would expect more than two. I think you need another jack type uh, between McCullough, maybe Terrell Hall, who's another Under Armour guy. He's been rumored to maybe uh, be closing in on an announcement, even though he's got official visits after, you know, the dead period. So is going to be quite busy, Jack Prospect's inside guys, but I think Alabama eventually um, ends up adding a, at least three of these guys and, and possibly more depending on how the numbers shake up.
1: John, great stuff, as always, and we thank you for joining us here on Bama's Radio. Before we let you go, though, let our listeners uh, know, kind of remind them how they can listen to your podcast, uh, Crimson and Blue Chips.
6: Oh, yeah, I appreciate that, Carrie. Yeah, CABC, you know, uh, a free podcast that we try to put on at least three times a week. Uh, of course, over the holiday, we slowed it down a little bit. But uh, it's free on Bama Sports Radio, uh, not Pam's radio, although Bams radio is on there as well. Um, it's really easy to follow. If you follow me at John Garcia underscore JR, you'll see links from me. Or you could follow the show itself. It has its own Twitter page now. It's at C-A-B-C pod. It's all free. There's a, there's a link to the archive there We we try to bring on recruits, analysts. Of course, Carrie and, and Drew are, are veterans of that program and vice versa with their great program. So uh, we try to bring it from all angles with recruiting and just try to look look at it in as, as more of a, an analytical standpoint, not just the facts, not just who's visiting, who said what, but more what what those things mean, background on these kids and and really um, just trying to weave the web as, as Bama, you know, limps towards another top class. And I say limps because Bama sits at number three and fans are, are complaining on it being a slow year. So, um, yeah, follow us at Pod if you can. Of course, bamamag.com every single day. And it'll be busy now, college football playoff tomorrow, and, and obviously Under Armour fading into Army, All-American Week and signing day right after that. So it's a really great time to, to keep up with what we're doing, and
3: we'd love to have you.
2: Absolutely, John. We appreciate it. And then, just real quickly for me, I know you guys spoke with him, but it, it talks about and because in another area that Alabama fans are, have been wondering about how it's going to shake out was defensive line. But just tell the listeners really quick backstory on the the newest junior college to offer, and that's Jamar King.
6: Oh yeah, I mean, what what a story! You know, this kid, you know, talk about a new name. This kid had zero offers like two weeks ago. And his first offer came in as an offensive lineman from Northern Arizona, and then his second offer is Alabama. You know that that's the type of ride this kid has had in a really short time, and it makes sense. He's from Detroit originally, obviously not a great football hub. Goes to junior college at, at a, a smaller junior college in California, not noted for churning out you know SEC type guys. So he's you know six foot four, two hundred and forty five pounds as a freshman. Has a good year, not a great year. well, this year, as a sophomore, now all of a sudden he's you know six four and a half, six five two hundred and eighty pounds, and he's got you know a tons of tackles for loss, double digit sacks almost in just nine games and he he sort of blew up, he got bigger, stronger, faster while you know still maintaining versatility enough to play on the edge. He plays inside, he even said he st- he stood up some this week or this year um out at juco so he's he's a very, very new name, a very raw prospect with the kid. The kid wants it. You know, he, he he didn't think he could get to this level, but now that he is, you know, he's wanting to really embrace the process. So he's got official visits set up to UCF January 15th, Bama January 22nd, then Ohio State January 29th. The Buckeyes have not yet offered, but, again, obviously very interested if they're going to host him for an official visit. And get this, guys, this is going to be his first visit ever when he goes to UCF on the 15th. So you talk about a guy – coming out of nowhere that's the definition of coming out of nowhere so if he gets to that Alabama official and Bama still really wants him as an uncommitted guy hard pressed to believe that he wouldn't somehow um, at least from his perspective put Bama way up the list once he gets to see that experience once he gets to watch Bama here in the college football playoff and really gets down to meet the coaches Bo Davis and everybody and really get immersed into what Bama could do for him so if if, if Bama wants him. It's going to be hard, uh, at least for me, to think that he ends up anywhere else, unless Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State really do make a late push, which is certainly possible with a guy like that. We hear Texas could be getting into the mix as well. So you talk about a kid coming out of nowhere. Jamar King is is worthy of your time. Check out the the kid's video. The kid can play, no doubt. And he could be the the no-star guy that Bama adds that could be, you know, the next Jaron Reed for all we know.
2: Yeah, great stuff, John. I knew you guys were on top of the situation. Just wanted you uh, to uh, kind of uh, broach his story and talk about him as an older guy too, and uh, he's grinded. He, he, As you said, he's he's worked hard to get to this point, and it's just been a whirlwind two to two, uh, a, week, a week or two for him. He's exploded, and uh, I agree, I, but Alabama always seems to be at the forefront of finding guys like this who end up being impact players, and you know, I know they're going to return several defensive linemen, maybe more than anticipated, uh, to next season. But we know what Bo Davis likes to do. He likes to play a lot of guys. And, and uh, and, and of course, they play guys situationally. Uh, and I know this is a guy that it looks like that they'd like to add to the mix uh, at Alabama. And I'll just tell the listeners as well, and I know you know about this young guy, he's committed to Auburn, but also watch Nick Coe very, very closely uh, as the next few weeks unfold.
6: Yeah, and that's another, you know, that's a Jack type of guy, another edge guy, another North Carolina guy. How about that? You know, the state of North Carolina, very good to Bama potentially this year with Emmons Dickerson. You know, they missed on Dexter Lawrence. But, yeah, Nick Coe is another one. Again, new names popping up all over the place. I haven't seen Alabama this aggressive at this point in the recruiting cycle in many years. So, clearly, things have changed. Things have shifted. The guys – Um, who had great senior seasons are seemingly getting rewarded for that. So don't look at the three or the four stars by his name and think he's just another guy. You know, obviously these guys have gotten a lot better because Bama has been familiar with a lot of these guys for a long time, uh, and they're just now offering. So that tells you the improvement that Bama thinks they've had. So obviously worth noting. And, yeah, you know, Cole didn't expect to be a Bama-type prospect. He expected to be a middle-tier SEC guy. All the way through, committed to Auburn, fell in love. We understand that, but we also understand that uh, the timing was good for Alabama because, like you said, a lot of time left, and an official visit could be looming there late in the process. There's going to be like 100 kids taking official visits here in the last couple of weeks. It should be very, very fun. And, again, Bama limping towards another top class.
1: Well John, we sure do appreciate you joining us tonight here on, on BAMS Radio. It's always great to hear from you. You brought it again as usual and we'll be in contact with you down the road for another appearance. And uh ladies and gentlemen, that's been John Garcia from Scout dot com and Bamamag dot com. But now we have another guest caller. Happy New on Year, hold. John. You go. We have another uh guest caller waiting on hold. And Drew, I'll let you bring him in.
2: Absolutely. I was on his daily radio program. Inside the game, WDGM in Tuscaloosa. He's been in Dallas, Texas since this past weekend. Uh, he's been bringing it. Uh, he's going to be live with the gear coming to Baltimore tonight. He's been taking in the scene for now several days. Always loving on him. We love him being on the BAMS radio podcast and on the daily radio program, Talking Ball. He's a weekly contributor there. And that Ryan C. Fowler, the one and only Ryan, you doing live from Dallas, Texas this very night? Well
7: I'm doing very well and I've got breaking news from the Media Hotel.
2: Here we go. You Can't wait to hear this.
7: All right. So we had the Media Olympics tonight and you were talking to the silver medalist. So uh just just want to put it out there. I I uh I came up one shot short uh in a game of pool uh to, to capture the gold and uh I fumbled it up, left the uh left the white ball set up he knocked the eight ball in and uh he got me. But uh I got a nice little prize package and uh so just want to put that out there. Uh us media guys, I mean listen, when we win something as media guys, because I've seen all of us, okay. We're we're not very coordinated. Uh now 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 Carry Kerry may be able to beat us all. I mean I've seen him play a little basketball, a little church league basketball. So no, Kerry it. might be able to beat us all. Uh but no, no, it like it. Uh, say it again. I don't know if I got a bad connection, but uh, I couldn't hear what Kerry was
2: saying. No, 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 but uh, I mean, listen, he said he's not yeah. cool about his game there, Ryan. But I know just from checking out the suite that uh, the Cotton Bowl people have really yeah. taken care of the media this week.
7: Oh, no doubt. Listen, they've rolled the red carpet out, and uh, you know, just had a really good time here. I mean, the great hospitality, and we've been here since Saturday, so I'm ready to get home uh ready to get home ready to uh to be able to capture a victory uh, possibly for the crimson out here in Dallas but uh looking forward to you know I, guys I am I'm, I'm I'm more convinced after spending these days here that Alabama's going to win more than I was when I loaded my forerunner and headed west uh I really think that that Alabama is going to uh beat Michigan State. I'm not nervous about this game. I'm very confident about this game. And I think it's all because you get a chance to see these Alabama players and they're focused. Uh the coaches are focused. And it just it, it's a different element than what we saw in New Orleans last year going up against Ohio State. And I don't see that for Michigan State. I see a very relaxed football team uh really too loose. Uh in a lot of ways I don't take I don't see them taking it as serious as uh, the University of Alabama, and I, I think it's uh, it's a whipping that will be here tomorrow night.
2: And I wanted to ask you about that, Ryan, because we had Hondo Carpenter on, and I've also had him on my program. I know you've had him on yours as well, and he thinks Michigan State is ready. He thinks they're going to win this game. Uh, I well, we wanted to have you on for your perspective because you've been down there around Alabama. I agree with you. I think this team is ready. I think it's what they've been waiting for. I think they know they have to finish, and but and to be honest, I'm not even concerned about what happened with Tony Brown today. What are your thoughts on that? And, of course, you've already given your thoughts on where you think the mindset of the team is.
7: Well, I haven't heard anything as far as what exactly it was. But, you know, I think right. it can be a distraction. Uh, I think it can be a distraction. I think it can – you know, when you look at – I saw some players tweeting about it. So people who say it's not a distraction, why was players uh, tweeting out about it? You know why were they? You know they obviously were distracted because they were tweeting out about it, and not only were they tweeting out about it, they were responding to the media, right? I mean, so uh, so obviously they're paying attention to something, whether it's you know whether we're talking about social networks or Facebook or Twitter. Or, I mean, somewhere they're reading something because you know one of the tweets that came out was sort of saying that media are jumping to conclusions or you know we're making assumptions and. I didn't make any assumptions. I just reported what Sabin said and you know, internal decision. I mean that could be a variety of a lot of things. Uh but we heard the rumbling this morning, uh, that, that that was a possibility. We didn't know a name and I didn't know a name, but I kept hearing the rumblings uh this morning here in Dallas. But I think it can be a distraction. Uh but I also think it depends on what it is. You know, it could have been a it could have been a decision that was made by the leaders of the football team, that you had one guy that was trying to disrupt something. I, I'm just – I mean, I'm here I am making these assumptions. I guess those players will be talking about me. But I guess it can be – I guess it can be a positive thing. I mean, you, you'd have to dig a little deeper, but I guess it can be. Uh, but I think it's a
1: distraction in my opinion. Ryan, this is Kerry. Hope, hope you can hear me now. I, I got a chance when I was driving down to cover the basketball game and then right before the game on my on my phone listening to the streaming. You you really took full advantage yesterday of the media day at the stadium. You got to talk to Tim Williams, Blake Barnett, Marlon Humphrey, uh, guys that we in the media don't normally get to do one-on-ones with. Tell our listeners here on BAM some of the nice little tidbits you gleaned from uh, some of those conversations, Ryan.
7: Well, well, let's start, you know, with Marlon Humphrey. You know, we don't, for some reason, he is so great with the media, too. You know, I mean, he is really good with the media. So, I think, you know, at some point, they'll start bringing him more often into our room and giving us some availability. Uh, but we just talked about the legacy and talked about, uh, you know, how that defensive line had helped that secondary out and as an overall unit. Uh, Tim Williams was a was a fun conversation. I know you guys probably by now seen the comment, but he told me that he was 100% – uh, coming back, and he said that he wanted to become a three-down linebacker. That he not only wanted to, you know, he said he feels like that third downs he's been able to do that very well. Uh, but he also told me that I asked him what his goals would be. You know, when he told me he was coming back, and he said that he would like to get 28 sacks, and it's a goal. Now, don't people don't go out there and start saying Tim Williams is comparing himself to Derrick Thomas? But you know what? What what that told me. Is it told me that for one, you got high goals and you gotta have high goals to be able to go out and accomplish work throughout the offseason. But it was also told me that he was aware of Derek Thomas. And I hope through media that we're able to let that legacy live. You know what I mean? I mean I mean for just a minute, it was good to hear a current player talk about former players. And I think that's important with Alabama history is to preserve that. And it just it felt good to hear him say Something about Derek Thomas. Will he break the record? I don't think so. I don't think anybody will ever do that. Twenty-seven in the season is is a big season, but I think he could get close to that Derek Henry second record, which is seventeen. I think he can get very close to that, especially if he becomes a three-down linebacker. Uh, Blake Barnett, I, I, we talked to him about getting better and, and facing this defense, and that really started with Kirby Smart's comments on. Now I get my days confused, but it was a defensive a day, and I, maybe that was Monday, uh, he talked about, you know, if you want to talk about the defensive linemen peeling off of Blake Barnett in practice and how they go full speed, and, you know, he said, well, just go over and ask Blake Barnett. So when we had a chance to talk with Blake Barnett, it, he talked about improving going up against the nation's best defense. If you think about that, that that's an encouragement. I mean, if you get a chance to go up against this unit every day in practice, so we talked about how that unit helped him improve as a quarterback. He admitted to me. He said, you know, I got a lot better from August because he was eye-opening in August. So I can only imagine when a full practice, when we're able to see some of those full practices in the spring, uh, that that he'll be once again eye-opening. Um, I'm trying to think of O.J. Howard talked about the leadership of the younger pl- people, the younger players, that he said one of the differences that he thought was how – the because we got a lot of young – players that contribute in special ways for this football team. And I think that's the one area that that you look at and you say, well, this team's got good leadership, but O.J. Howard told me and and Alfonso Taylor said that it was the younger guys who bought in so quickly. And that's not always happened. And because there's so many key pieces of the puzzle, puzzle, whether you're talking about, you know, Mika Fitzpatrick or, you know, there's some freshmen that – Calvin Ridley certainly making an impact on the offensive side of the football. But I think it was good to see some of those upperclassmen giving credit to those younger guys. And uh, also had a chance to talk with Tosh LaPoy. And I'm disappointed that I look back now to love to have one more question with him uh, just to double check that he's going to be back in Tuscaloosa. Uh, I did have a chance to talk with Lane Kiffin. And I asked him about, you know, being back in 2016. He told me he would love to be back. And then automatically – He made a couple of comments of what rebuilding year would look like, you know, replacing a quarterback, replacing – he even volunteered this. He said replacing a Heisman Trophy-winning running back, that those challenges are like that. So uh, a fun conversation, and I enjoyed myself at Media Day, but I will tell you this, Kerry. Alabama ripped us out of seven minutes because they're supposed to give us an hour, and we only got 53 minutes. So if I think about it, there was two more interviews that I could have squeezed in if they would have gave us our allotment of time. And you also got to talk to uh, Blake Barnett. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. And, and, and as I said, he talked a lot about how the defense improved and what it's like to go up against this defense every day in practice. So Blake Barnett was a lot of fun to talk to. And you can see the leadership characteristics of Blake Barnett already. that he's he's got that quarterback swagger, but he's also got – Strong leadership characteristics that will grow and develop into a solid leader for Alabama. And you know, I really liked him in the fall camp, and I thought he had a chance to be the number one quarterback. Uh, but I, I don't think at the end of the day, I don't think Nick Saban could pull the trigger on starting a true freshman. But I think this young man is primed to have a really uh, solid spring, and I think he'll be the number one quarterback going into first game next year against USC.
2: And Ron, I just wanted to. I know uh, we're coming to the end of the program. We Thank you for taking a few minutes. We know it's been a busy but fun time for you in Dallas, and we envy you being there on the scene. But just overall, you're very close to this program. You follow it very uh, intently. Uh, You have as good of insight into it as anyone that we speak with. Just your thoughts overall. I know you predicted a win, but give us a score and and just how you see the game unfolding.
7: I don't think the game's going to be – I think Alabama's going to win this game. I just see it 28-14. to 14, I had Chris Lowe on earlier. He had 27-14, to 14, so it felt good to be in with a conversation like Chris Lowe is so knowledgeable in college football. Uh, I think Cecil and I were about one or two points away, so we were real close as well. I had him on the show. Uh, but it, it was – I like 28-14. to 14. I don't think Connor Cook is 100% healthy, and I think when he takes a couple hits on that shoulder – I, I don't think he's going to be the quarterback that everybody and, – and all these Michigan State people, not only do they talk funny, but they keep talking about how accurate he is as a quarterback. He's a 56% passer. 56. Jacob Coker's a 65.7. I mean, I, I, I know I'm from Alabama, and this education may not be the best, but 65 is better than 56. They keep talking about how accurate this quarterback is. Connor Cook's a great quarterback. Don't get me wrong, but he's not 100% healthy. I don't believe he's 100% healthy. Uh, I think that'll show up. I'll be shocked if Alabama doesn't win this game, but I'll be shocked if Alabama doesn't cover as well. Uh, I think the experts in the desert know something that we don't. They remove the bias. Uh, I look for Alabama to dominate both lines of scrimmage and really get after Connor Cook. And I think if, if Jacob Coker's going to have an opportunity to pass against the secondary, too. Uh, they're overall, statistically, they're 76 in the country in stopping the pass. So, uh, I look for a big win for the Crimson's Eye tomorrow
2: night. I have to add this because you've been at the forefront of it, and now it seems to be done. They continue to try to mimic Nick Saban in the program. In your mind, did Gus Malzahn hire the second-best defensive mind in all of college football today?
7: Oh no doubt, no doubt. Listen, listen. You know you don't realize how far Auburn has fallen until you see them get a Gatorade bath and a manager fighting another player over the game ball. Now you guys, I thought Auburn had fallen down to the to the bottom, but that puts it in a new perspective. When you got a manager and a player from Memphis fighting over a ball. I don't know if they want to put that ball in the trophy cabinet, show those recruits that they won the Birmingham Bowl. I don't know. But to see those videos and to see the Gatorade uh, going on Gus, seeing them get the, the coordinator, uh, they can celebrate on the planes if they'd like. But I think we all know the truth. Uh, Nick Saban hung 30 on Kevin Steele with better players at LSU. What will he hang against Auburn next fall uh, going up against – the the yep. Auburn Tigers. Fifty, sixty? I mean if you can score thirty with better players, Kevin Still's not a great defensive coordinator. I think we all know that. I mean, he's a good guy. But one point four million dollars? Woo.
2: A lot of money. They've been a paying a lot of coaches lot. and
7: Yeah, that's a lot of money. Yeah, just no a, doubt.
2: Yeah, no doubt. A lot of money. Well, Ryan, man, we really appreciate it. Uh we know you're gonna be all over the coverage for the game tomorrow night and uh safe travels back to the great state of Alabama. Look forward to being on your radio program again if we're having you on mine when we get cranked up again next week. But enjoy the football game. Hopefully Alabama's about to put themselves in position for another big game uh on January the eleventh. We really appreciate it, my friend. Thank you for joining us on uh radio tonight, my friend.
7: Absolutely. You guys have a wonderful uh evening and Drew Keep that phone on because I gotta call you after this show. So you you keep that phone on and we'll talk a little bit later. But Curry, good good to talk with you as well. It's always an honor to be on with you guys and you guys have a great night. Thank you again.
2: Yes, sir. Fine. Forward to it.
1: Happy New
3: Year.
2: Happy New Year to I you. To <laughs> Here you go.
1: Well that was Ron Fowler from the game. WG, DGM and Hostalus does a big job. Uh, you know, got, got over twelve thousand followers. Twitter is good at his name. From the, State all about Broadcasting industry, the people that don't want them to, uh, to dribble on fireball, fine body, they can just go over to listen to Ryan and you get the roll-tied point of view. Great guests he has all the time, uh, including Drew, but a lot of other people too. So we're glad that Ryan was able to join us from Dallas, the boots on the ground in Dallas, and the Under Armour game, and John Garcia, the prior call on the Asian Realm hotline. And the Asian Rim page put a a picture on Twitter a few minutes ago of a former radio co-host uh, Blip, Bird's son, Allen, decked out in his Memphis gear, and uh, I couldn't resist that happen if Blip also ran down to the sun and grabbed him over and put the black in
2: the game. <laughs> Very interesting. Auburn uh, getting the job done, didn't embarrass the SEC, and got their seventh win of the season and uh, got a winning record. Uh, Lance Thompson in his one game as Auburn defensive coordinator gets the win. Now will he stay at Auburn? Going to be very interesting to see if that happens. But looking more forward to Alabama and the opportunity they have ahead of them in now less than 24 hours. And uh, hopefully Nick Saban and the guys, I think they're a focused group. I look forward to this game with Michigan State. I think it's going to be as physical a game as Alabama's played in all year. But I just like Alabama's chances. I I think the more talented football team wins – uh, I do think it's going to be a close game. I disagree uh, politely with my friend Hondo Carpenter. I just think Alabama knows uh, what they have to do, and I know uh, they. Uh, and I think they, they're going to come out. I think this team is a lot different than last season, much better defensively. I happen to agree with Hondo. This is not as talented a team as 2010, but it's not about the talent. And they're still talented enough. What it's about is the chemistry on the team, the leadership on the team, and you've heard how glowingly Nick Saban's talked about this group of players. And I just think uh, they're going to come out focused and get the job done.
1: I do too. I think the leadership on this team—people uh, like Reggie Ragland, to name one of several—but uh, Eric Henry's a great leader. Ryan Kelly's a great leader. There's a lot of them, okay? Uh, but I think the leadership on the team is. It, you know, they learned about Ohio State loss last year, Drew and Thomas. They learned from it. It's not something they'll experience again. I think we all in the Bama Nation have a lot more respect now than we did a year ago for the Big Ten Conference. With that being said, uh, Alabama's got to out a team with five classes, true freshman, redshirt freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior, of number one recruiting classes. And the coaching is good, and the game plan will be good. And I'm with you. Uh, I think Bama takes him. I'm still saying 24 to 13. but uh, And I think Hondo is kind of like their Cecil. Cecil doesn't hardly ever pick against Alabama and it's under Saban. And Hondo believes in D'Antonio. And I appreciate that. That's fine. He did a great job. Uh, if we ever play Michigan State again in any major sport, we need to have Hondo back on here. He did great. But that being said, I'm with you, Drew. Alabama wins. I think Alabama wins by at least two scores. Uh, Michigan State will be fired up. Michigan State's got a good football team. Alabama's got a better football team. Let's talk, before we close, though, both of you, uh, what you guys think is going to happen in the opener, uh, the one that's going to determine the other slot in the national championship game. I still think Oklahoma beats Clemson in in, in my mind, but my heart really wants the fight in Davos to pull it off. I, I, if I were picking, I would say Oklahoma wins the football game and faces Alabama, but a lot of people even football, are actually picking
2: Clemson. I want to get both of you guys' opinion on that. Well, I may end up being wrong. I'll go first and then let Thomas uh, d- just uh, wrap us up. But I'm going to say Boomer Sooner in a very close game, more of a, you know, Big 12-type uh, contest, high scoring. I'd say 38-35 Sooners. I think they'll find a way to get it done. But I do think Clemson is going to, you know, you know, it, it, it just play well and uh, make a great representation of themselves and prove they deserve to be on the field. Uh, but I just really believe uh, that Oklahoma is going to find a way to get it done. I guess part of that's the reason being I'd like Alabama to to shut Bob Stoops up. And uh, But Alabama's got to take care of Michigan State first. But I just think the Sooners will have a few too many weapons and find a way to win and uh, beat the uh,
0: Clemson Tigers. Well, for me, uh, I said last week that I was on the Clemson bandwagon, but these three players getting sent home has really has made me change my mind. One of the players sent home was Clemson's second, year, and yes. you know that's that's a problem. Putty, that's a problem. So I, I think being so late a game. To sending a key player home, I'm going to go Oklahoma. I, I certainly think Clemson will give Oklahoma a better game than what we've seen at the end of the Big 12 season where they, you know, they beat a backup quarterback, Baylor. They probably should have lost to a TCU team that was playing, walking wounded, and then beating up an overrated Oklahoma State team. It'll be a better game than any of those are in my mind. But I think Oklahoma is going to find a way to get it on, um, Key to the game, can Clemson line force Baker Mayfield to be a pocket passer? Only possible. They haven't done it in the past few months, the past few games. You look at Clemson's like last month, but it's going to be a fun, uh, going to be a fun appetizer. A lot of points up and down the field it could certainly be something where the team with the ball last month getting ready for the uh, the physical battle that will be the Alabama-Michigan State game tonight. And oh, Bama. And I, I'm not, I, I'm
3: not high. I
0: apologize. I'm not as high as Bama as you guys. I think it's going to be like 24-20. I think Michigan is going to make a hell of a game of it. Well, I said 24-13. Whoa! Um, I just think. Yeah, you
1: no, know, I don't. But I, I do believe. Well, unless something changes in the next 100 seconds, I'm a little bit behind on my phone. But it looks like that A&M is going to take the first. SEC loss at the bowl season against Louisville in Nashville. So,
2: Shocker. Uh, Dumpster fire.
1: Yeah. They actually played in a lot closer, 27-21, late in the fourth quarter in favor of Louisville. But, uh, Happy New Year to everyone listening. Roll Tide, and I uh, will go ahead and close out this week's edition of BAM's Radio. Uh, we want to thank everyone for listening. We want to thank our guests tonight, Honda Carpenter,
5: uh, John Garcia,
1: Kyle Dixie McGuire, and, of course, Ryan Fowler. And, uh, Thank Ring the Pain for the pain of him surgery the fourth January. So, Rudy Armand, of 977 gets to get in the zone and hunt for time of the the first time out magazine. I'm your Mark of battlemag.com. What you use It's nice. Roll tight. How do you the be Sports Radio Center.